1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson on the show today with Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry. That has never happened to me before. My sincere apologies. It's time to turn on the microphone and get started. And I thought I was about to sneeze. And that threw off the timing of everything. So You didn't have to tell everyone. I, I needed to. I needed to come clean right now. You were only like two yeah. seconds I know, late. Just, I like you're like, like, I'm so sorry. This has never happened. This is a disaster. I'm so much better than that. You came in like five seconds late. If, oh, okay. if you had right. Which whenever someone other than you hosts the show is pretty much what they do. I see. I see. Uh, well, all right. Well, we're off and rolling on this Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Uh, here's what's coming up on the show today. We've got birthdays in sports. Player of the week. Justin Ferguson in studio. Pretty fun. NBA war. We debut NBA War for the first time ever on this program after playing NFL War a number of times over the past few years. It's time to go over to the basketball side of things, and we'll have a nightly TV guide as well. So tons of things to accomplish here on today's show. Brent Daughtry, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Had a really good weekend. Had a lot of fun watching, uh, not really watching, but paying attention to the NFL draft. Um, I got to, what did I do Saturday? Got to visit some... Uh, got to visit, got to see some Auburn softball in person. First softball game I've been to. Went to Saturday's game against Georgia, which was a very exciting game. You two guys were there uh, on the call for that one, so that was a, a lot of fun to to talk to you guys afterwards and to, to be in the stadium for that game. And we got to see your family, which was great. You did, you did. You met my mom and dad for the first time, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I got, got to do that over the weekend, and uh, yeah, having a, having a good time, having a good Tuesday. Excited to be here and uh, be distracted by the Braves the entire time. Uh, yeah, they're playing a doubleheader right now, that's for sure, on AM 6, uh, excuse me, 12.30. You can listen to that game also on 620 WTRP there in LaGrange. Ryan LaVoy, how are you today? You were on the show with us yesterday, but it's good to check back in with you here 21 hours later. Yeah, and that is how the math works out. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, good to be back uh, again today and excited about NBA War coming up with Ferg. And, yeah, it's uh, watched a lot of playoff action last night, both NBA and NHL, and it's a great time of year for those two sports. So, yeah, not much has changed. So the Braves are playing right now. They've got a doubleheader against the New York Metropolitans. They also played last night, and the Braves won. They won by a score of 5-2 to two over the Mets. They were trailing 2 nothing, which is kind of fitting because they were trailing 2 nothing in this game as well. The first run last night for the Braves was an Austin Riley solo home run. That was not the first run for the Braves here today. But nonetheless, that was a big win last night. Yeah, they uh, I talked about it yesterday just trying to 
hold yourself above water and split the series and not let the match just gain a demonst- uh, even bigger demonstrative start over you. And so that was a good first step in doing that. Obviously, they got the doubleheader today, and they're behind early again. And Charlie Morton is, is really struggling once again. But, uh, yeah, no, they. it's obviously really early. Any one game is not going to – uh, you know, warrant a, a bunch of big takeaways and that sort of thing, but it's all part of the puzzle at this point, and they're just trying to, uh, you know, get as many things headed in the positive direction as they can because they've got a lot of a lot of things going on right now where they're just not playing optimal in a lot of different fashions of the game, and so uh, yeah, they last night they got a nice come from behind victory. Uh, Kenley Jansen looked get good again, but. Uh, again, right back at it less than, you know, what, 20 hours later, and they're already off to another bad start. So it's uh, it's just that kind of that up and down start. So hopefully they, they get uh, more momentum here in the coming days and weeks and can figure it out. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to be a part of the show here today uh what are some sports thoughts that you've been having over the past few days brant uh yeah like ryan said mostly occupied with the braves um i, I feel like i have to put my put my computer down for a second I, I feel like the the braves are off to a slow start and you're okay with a slow start for the first 20 or 30 games of an mlb season obviously you don't want to fall behind super hard but you're okay with a little bit of a slow start but you have to pick it up at some point and the braves just aren't looking great right now charlie morton again we've we've documented his struggles he's just not really up to snuff right now he's not the same pitcher that he was last year and certainly not the same pitcher that he was in last year's postseason uh, looking around Auburn, like we said, uh, able to take two out of three from Georgia in softball. That was an awesome series victory. Uh, Big time. Uh, couldn't come away with the sweep on senior night, but still you had a you had a very good series, and you're perfectly okay with that outcome, uh, especially against a, a team as good as Georgia is right now. Uh, baseball taking one out of three from Tennessee. Uh, Tony V being the star of the show despite not being a player for the University of Tennessee. That was a – I have my thoughts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, taking that game and pushing Tennessee to the wire in the in game three, that was a very, very impressive showing from Auburn baseball. And uh, Ryan was complaining earlier that they're not that they're not moving up in the rankings like they should be, and they absolutely should be ranked higher than they are right now. I think they're coming in at eighteen in the coaches' poll. Yeah, and so it should be higher than that based on their strength of schedule and the wins they have and all of that. And it's you know it, everything's going okay right now. Nothing is great. But everything is going good, you know, and that, that's kind of the way I'm looking at the, the ball sports right now. Yeah, well, typically for baseball, at least on Tuesdays here in the midweek, we would have a game. But there yeah. is no game today. They do still have midweek games left on the schedule because there are still weeks left in the regular season. But it's finals week at Auburn, so no games are being played. What was your toughest final that you remember? Oh, have mercy. Um I, I won't say toughest, but I will say the one that required the most work from me. My, I believe it was the fall semester of my senior year. Yeah. I took a fiction film class, uh, and I had to make a couple of, like, short films. And the final for that one um, is about this seven, eight-minute-long little horror movie that I made. Uh, and I was I, – I put a lot of work into it. It took me a couple of weeks to get done. Uh, and, and big thanks to to my friends who were a part of that. Couldn't have done it without them, obviously. But they uh, 
they helped me and I, you know, I edited, I directed, I wrote it. I, um, and I, I ended up being pretty proud of it. It was a ton of work and it was difficult, but I ended up being proud of it. The one that was toughest as in like, man, this sucks. Why am I doing this? I hate it. I took an accounting class my sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, and that was just the worst. I don't want to do that ever. No. Ever. No, no. Uh, if this isn't public, everyone around the office knows I want to make this public now. I mentioned my mother a whole lot yeah. on the show. She's an accountant, a CPA, has her firm back in Asheville. And, uh, yeah, not a fan of the accounting procedures. I would say uh, a media law class that I took Ooh. with the great Rick Smith. And it is has nothing to do with Rick Smith, your public address announcer at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Tremendous professor. Absolutely amazing. There's just a lot of material that you've got yeah. to remember and it's a lot of law and you, it's uh, really important with what i do yeah in day-to-day -day, i don't want to do anything bad <laughs> right uh but that was just a ton of material because it's like yeah we got media degrees oh man how tough could it be but that one comes to mind for sure yeah did so i'm you, thinking about people that are going through exam week right now yeah i didn't take media law but i did take journalism ethics uh -huh. which i feel like is very similar it was kind of all in one yeah, class yeah, yeah. um did, did you have your AP style book strapped to your hip at all times? I tried to. That I was, tried to. I absolutely did. That was always a, a good move to have, so it'd be ready at the hip. Yep. And yep. I, I, had that, I had that thing on me anytime I was doing something for like any class where I was writing or media or whatever. And I'm a pretty big stickler on making sure things look nice and presentable. Yep. yep. You know that. Yeah. You're well aware of that. I am. You do a great job. Thank you. I appreciate what you do, man. I appreciate you. Uh, Ryan, what was your toughest exam? Um, probably business analytics. Yep. Um, no, thank you. It's a lot of calculus with, uh, <laughs> with, yeah. And, I didn't take calculus. And, and the, the thing is about it is that I was not very good at pre-cal. Didn't really have a former or like a formal cal class, uh -huh. but business analytics incorporate a lot of calculus. So it was kind of like it served as, all right, this is your transition from pre-cal to cal, but then also with... You know some some business type um, things in mind, really predictive modeling and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it was just it was just so overwhelmingly math that I just could never enjoy it because it just it was it's difficult. Um, and so I I yeah I did not like that. And business analytics you can be a major in obviously, uh -huh. and that's how you predict markets and stuff like that. But um, that one sucked. Didn't love the teacher. It was a big class, so really hard to feel like you could get some personal help at times. And um, yeah, that one, that class was rough. I I love the phrase. What did you so overwhelmingly math? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, because I used to be. I, I hit like this mathematical limit in my brain because <laughs> because I used to absolutely I'm going to use a phrase you've used JJ. I used to body math <laughs> yeah. like I used to just dominate it. Um, I may I had an an algebra 98, algebra two 97. Um, we were just all just, about it, just dominant. But the the geometry with trig kind of started the sl the slide and. Uh, you know, pre-cal really hit hard. Um, was there, I don't think there was anything between algebra two geometry and then I think it goes into pre-cal next. So, um, yeah, the, the pre-cal and calculus somewhere between algebra two and pre-cal, my math, mathematical limit was hit and I could not continue to process everything going on. 
And yeah. It's always interesting because you talk to people that have math exams coming up at the, the college level and this, of course, coming from someone that's entirely media, stuck to the journalism, and sometimes a final exam would be five or six questions, and you would, I would just be kind of baffled by that. I'm like, what do you mean? And then you kind of look at the questions, and you're like, oh, this takes like forever just to do one of these yeah. math problems. Most, of most course, finals, there's a, yeah. Most finals that are like five or six questions long typically take a like a lot of effort <laughs> yeah. for one question. Yeah, no kidding. There was one of those business analytics. Uh, I don't know if it was our final or not because our final did have another section that was a little, little less intense math. But I remember there was definitely a test that you had, you know, 50, 55 minutes to do that was only like four problems. And, you know, just the also just the amount of pressure in that, because if you are utterly clueless on one, you can't do better than a 75. Right. If like if you if you just have (laughs) nothing that you can work with on one of the problems, you're just stuff like that. It's really difficult. So, you know, you always hear tests that are either really short like that or some people complain, well, this test has 200 questions. Well, thankfully for you, you can miss 20 and still make an A. And they're all very quick questions, too, because they're all going to be multiple choice or true, false, and that sort of thing. So the answer's in front of you. The answer's not in front of you in math. You have to dig out the, (laughs) the answer and the equations you need and all that. So... It was not that I've always hated math because, like I said, in high school, I I enjoyed it and I was good at it. But once I hit that limit going into college, math really started to suck. And I really did not uh, did not grasp everything at that from that point on. Ryan, how thrilled are you to be done with school? Extra thrilled. (laughs) All of the thrilled. Infinitely thrilled. Brent, same question to you. To the infinite power. Uh, you do realize that in August I'm attempting to get a master's degree, right? So he is not done with school. <laughs> so and so I, it was kind of weird because I was in limbo for a little while where I was like, yeah, I'm done. I have my degree. And we've had that conversation. I just totally yeah, forgot about yeah, it. I was like, I'll like, just ask him the question too. But I, I am actively pursuing a master's degree right now. I'm not enrolled yet, but I, I'm working on stuff I, I see. with the goal of attending Auburn. I think there's probably a 1% chance or less that I go back to school at any point um, for, an, I guess, an MBA. I would almost be more interested <laughs> just to retake college classes and remajor in something yeah. because I feel like in hindsight – I have the I, I did the wrong major and there was a couple of things within business school that I enjoyed more that I think my I think supply chain first and foremost my brain can really think about that well because that's a lot of logistics and point A to point B to point C to point D in the most cost effective manner and uh, that's kind of how my brain works and the class I did have supply chain wise I really enjoyed and then secondly marketing as well um because i kind of look at things of why people believe that what they believe what gets people to buy blah 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 uh so not to bore everybody with the deep deep details of all that but i would love to go back and do one of those two things because i feel like that's probably more how my brain was aligned not that management isn't but it, you know unless you're not going to walk in and manage something when you're 22 23 years old to somewhere sure. you've never been with no experience and, and that sort of thing it just doesn't really work like that but if you're when you're young you can still have a marketing opportunity or some sort of opportunity uh in some of the other fields so i kind of wish that i had 
uh, majored in something a little bit different there. That comment that you just made reminded me of an inside joke that we have uh-huh. that I'm going to share during the break. So help me remember to do that, okay? Uh, it's going to remain inside joke just inside the studio. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Instead of you two, I am also going to be here. Correct. That's fine. 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. There's been a weird energy in the office today and it just kind of amplified <laughs> in the, the 20 minutes before the show started. <laughs> and it's carried over. No kidding. Uh, let's go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program. Joining us now... James from Montgomery. James has called into our program. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. And how are y'all guys today? We're very good, man. We hope that uh, we hope that you're doing well. And obviously, as we were discussing, we're definitely thinking about all of the Auburn University students that are going through exam week right now. What do you remember from your days in school, James? Oh man, my high school days were were like really really hard. Um, actually, as a freshman coming in out of middle school, going into my high school years, my first class I actually took was actually TV production. Wow! Yeah, learning a lot about like you know learning how to be a news uh, a news anchor, you know, in front of the camera and learning how to how to like present the news you know in a professional uh in a professional platform as well that's a really cool first class to have in high school yeah and then um, my second class that i took in high school was uh science it was uh bio biochemistry science actually in uh, In high high school. school wow yes in high school i wanted to learn a lot about like uh, a lot about the periodic table and learning about like different different things of uh, putting a lot of different chemistry to to the different elements of of, uh, of Sir Isaac Newton's uh, theory of um, of gravity as well. All right, so actually putting in that in that category as well. Okay, so we went from TV production to chemistry. Yes, and then what? Well, my third class was actually I was in the JROTC program. I did not know that, James. That's awesome. Yes, yes, I was actually in the JROTC program to actually get myself into uh, military uh, tactics as well, learning about um, you know different things of uh, what it takes to be out in a military environment. And, and I know you've told like us that. before that your parents are in the uh, line of service as well. So that, that obviously uh, helps you knowing that you've got that experience at home, right? Yes, yes. I actually did say that uh, about a year back. Um, I did say that, and yes, that is true. Um, both of uh, my mom, she's a registered nurse, and my dad, he's a retired uh, Army uh, Vietnam veteran. And my sister, my oldest sister, She's a retired Air Force um, Iraqi uh, veteran as well. What was uh, what was your fourth class, James? Um, my fourth class that I actually took was actually journalism. Tell me a little bit about journalism class. Well, actually, journalism was actually uh, going out into the into the school and actually. Uh, shadowing a lot of uh, teachers and actually getting to know about like how 
what what it becomes to become a teacher, how long does it take to take a uh, teaching class, and what need like what um, what young minds out there in high school need to learn about what it what it takes to become a teacher, and it takes a lot of dedication as well to to actually become a teacher as well. No kidding, no kidding. Do you know what your toughest class would have been? Um, what in high in uh, college? Sure. Uh, my toughest class, if I was actually a senior at Auburn University, my toughest class that I would take on my finals week would actually be, um, I would have to say, probably dealing with, um, I would have to say dealing with um, learning how to fly planes as well. Oh, you had pilot classes. Yes. Wow. Yes, as well. And then once I'm actually in my dorm room, you know, learning how to become a pilot, I'll have like a poster of the Tuskegee Airmen and I'll look up and I'll just have that on my wall just, you know, for inspirational uh, speaking as well, because I, I would love to see, you know, the next, uh, aviator pilot coming out of Auburn University as well. No kidding. No kidding. All right. Give us something on your mind in the sports world today, James. Oh, uh, well, actually, to open up the sports world, I would actually have to say I'm very happy that my Dallas Wings last night won uh, on their new home stadium, their new home court, shall I say. Uh, they won uh, last night against the Indiana Fever, and um, I'm very excited of seeing that actually happen uh, yesterday as well. Uh, not as much good news to report with your uh, Dallas Mavericks last night, though, James. Yes, I'm very, very, very upset last night with my Dallas Mavericks. They did not. Uh, they did not commit like a lot of points I deserve from them but I'm just going to see how they're going to do I think tonight we play tonight so I'm just going to see how we actually do against the Phoenix Suns so I think this is game two so I'm just trying to see if we have if we're going to have that if if they're actually going to have that uh, that mentality with uh, Luka Doncic uh, tonight to actually see if we're going to win uh, game two, three, four, and five as well. Yeah, uh, game two is tomorrow, so you've got an off yeah. night tonight. But uh, tonight yeah. you've got the Bucks and Celtics. Who do you think wins that game? Um. Well, I do. The have... Bucks won game one. Yes, they did win game one, so I would have to say Milwaukee would take game two and three. Okay, and what about the Warriors and Grizzlies? They're playing game two today. Um, I would have to say the Memphis Grizzlies because I'm actually going to see what they're going to do, you know, from their their big uh, loss that they had last night against uh, Golden State. So I just have to say that the Memphis Grizzlies would win uh, game two today. All right. Pretty fun stuff. Any final thoughts for us, James? Um, No, I don't have any final thoughts as well. But with the NHL playoffs, I will have, well, tomorrow I will be out on location in Montgomery. So I will call you all on tomorrow, uh, tomorrow afternoon or 
well, actually tomorrow afternoon when I'm actually at the Biscuits game as well, so I'm not going to stay for the whole entire game as well. You're going to do a little report from the Biscuits game, though? Yes, I am. I'm actually going to be... Uh, I'm actually going to be talking to you all guys on the radio, but I'm going to be watching the Biscuits game as well. But um, I'm actually going to, like... Who are you going to the game with? I'm just going by myself as well, so it's just... um, It's going to be an early morning game as well, so I'm just going to be out there for a little bit, and then I'm going to just, you know, know, do some other um, uh, important business as well. All right. Are you ready for your NBA trivia today? Oh, yes, I am. I am definitely ready for my NBA trivia for today. All right. So question number one, the NBA team that used to be in Seattle, what was their nickname? Oh, I know this one. I know this one because I was watching the NBA Hall of Fame uh, uh, history on this. Uh, during the off week of NBA uh, season. And I think this would have to be the Seattle... uh, Let me see. I know it's not the Seattle... uh, I know some team back then. I would have to say the Seattle Supersonics. That's right. Good job. Good job. You got that one correct. All right. What player is the NBA logo? The NBA logo is after what player? Oh, I know this one because I actually read up on this one on the 75th anniversary of the NBA uh, uh, celebration. Um, I would have to say that would be ooh, it's one of the former NBA stars that used to play. And I think that would have to be Bill Walton. Who's that? Bill Walsh. He's uh, one of the... Yeah, not quite. Uh, not quite. No, 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 not, no. Um, let's see. It's not him. Uh, let me see. Who else is in the in the NBA Hall of Fame? Uh, no, it's not. Um, I was going to say... Uh, I know it's not Kareem because he's not on the logo as well. Jerry West. Um, yes, yes, it, it was uh, Jerry West, and I did see a uh, thirty for thirty NBA video that they did years ago on uh, Jerry West. They actually did a story on him on the NBA app that they got for the seventy fifth anniversary, and he uh, they actually got a a um, a highlight of him actually playing in the uh, NBA years ago. Wow. All right. I got two more questions for you, okay? Okay. All right. Your next trivia question. Where is the Basketball Hall of Fame located? I'll give you a hint. The city is Springfield. You tell me what state it's in. What state is the Basketball Hall of Fame located in? Okay. I know this one. They always do the uh, Hall of Fame and Shrimant Ceremonies every year and they always say it at the very top of the of the opening credits of it and it's in Springfield Massachusetts yes you got it right buddy that's right 
All right, and your last one today. On the NBA show, Inside the NBA on TNT, the cast includes Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, and who? Who is the fourth member of Inside the NBA? Okay, so I know it's Kenny Smith. Yep. I know it's Charles Barkley. Yep. I know... um, and the fourth member of that group, of that iconic TV show, of that TV show, is no other than the late uh, goat himself that used to play with the legendary guy that used to win all the games for the Los Angeles Lakers. I love this guy. I seen him so many times he's you know one of my favorite very funny basketball. very funny guy seen all his movies he's done so many different things in the cooking world um Shaq Shaq O'Neal. You're, you're exactly right Shaquille O'Neal so the show is Ernie Johnson Charles Barkley Kenny Smith and Shaquille O'Neal and those guys are having way too much fun every time the show goes on Yes, as well, because I always see a lot of different things go on with them, and the only thing that I like to take from them is I always um, admire Charles Barkley. He's done a really amazing job with the University of Auburn, and he's one of the one of the great, great uh, sports announcers for inside for inside NBA yep. for uh, TNC as well. So. You know, he is a really great guy for any young man to actually look up to in the NBA as well. No kidding. No kidding. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. All right, James, we very much so look forward to uh, catching up with you again tomorrow when you're at the Biscuits game, okay? All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our buddy James from Montgomery, and he's joining us here on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and take our first commercial break of today's show. Alongside Brant Daughtry and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. We'll back in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Ron LaVoy, and Brant Daughtry. Justin Ferguson will join us on the program a little bit later. Looking forward to having him in the building. We'll have NBA War. We've got Player of the Week to get to. I mean, it's a busy, busy, busy Tuesday here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. All right, we do this each and every day. Let's take this opportunity to... Uh, celebrate our birthdays in sports remember that day that you guys were saying i was like ending every word with uh nope you, i think brooks was here for sure i want to say that you were here as well and i was ending every word with a little bit of drama just talking about being loud yeah I yeah 
You know what I'm saying? Because I, mean, I said I said we do this each day. and every day. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, that oh, was, remember that, that? Was last Friday. That sounds awful. Yeah, last Friday. I didn't mean maybe. to. It's just as I was talking, there were some words that I was putting. You just a little got bit really excited. Yeah, really excited about a couple words. Emphasis. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Uh, birthdays and sports. <laughs> It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on May 3rd, 2022. Tyron Lue is turning 45 years old. He played for Nebraska before being selected by the Nuggets in the first round of the 1998 NBA draft. Traded to the Lakers shortly after. A member of the Lakers, he won two NBA championships in his first three seasons. After his playing career ended in 2009, Ty Lue became the Director of Basketball Development for the Celtics. In 2014, he was hired by the Cavaliers as Associate Head Coach and was promoted by to Head Coach during the 2015-2016 season. That same season, Lou coached the Cavaliers to their first NBA championship and became one of the few rookie coaches in the NBA to ever lead his team to a title. He coached the Cavaliers to the finals in both the 17 and 18 seasons. He now coaches the Clippers. A two-time NBA champ as a player and a one-time NBA champ as a coach, Ty Lue turns 45. Successful everywhere. Uh, known for Allen Iverson stepping over yeah. him. Yeah. His well, on-the-court highlights. Uh, it's his birthday. I shouldn't bring that up. You're exactly right. Yeah. Let's celebrate uh, the great things he does. Can I put you on the spot as the non-NBA guy? Uh, you can try. And we do have NBA War coming up a little bit later. Yeah, and I'm going to lose. I don't know what that game is. Never played it. I don't know. I've never heard you guys play NFL War or whatever. Right. Um, it's I'm, typically I'm a summertime excited. thing, and this is your first summer that we're getting into. This is true. And just to let you know, you're actually not playing today. Okay, cool. You're going to be a bystander. It's going to be a little bit easier, but that's all the details I'm going to give you right now. Okay? All right, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, is who, it going to be you, three, you two inferred? Who did Ty Lue replace as the head coach of the Cavs? Oh. Uh, this is going to be a question for people that 50 years from now, they might forget. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's so random. It's I not fair know. for me to ask I you I don't this. know. His name is David Blatt. Blatt. <laughs> he is no longer in Rhymes the NBA. With my former pastor, Blatt. <laughs> is, David, is David, I was about to say, was David Blatt a good basketball coach? Uh, no longer in the NBA. That answers my question. Yeah. Uh, LeBron liked Ty Lue a little bit more, and uh, LeBron does what LeBron does. There you uh, go. Austin yeah. Meadows is the outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. He's turning 27 today. He grew up in Grayson, Georgia, and was selected ninth overall in the 2018, or excuse me, 2013 MLB draft by the Pirates. He made his major league debut in 2018 and was traded to the Rays, where he made his first all-star team in 2019. Austin Meadows, 27, an outfielder for the Tigers. A lot of great athletes coming out of Grayson, Georgia. Does he? A lot of great athletes going to Grayson, Georgia to play at Grayson High School. Does Austin Meadows start for the Tigers, I would imagine? I'd assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, Austin Meadows. The race. Turning 27. Jeff Hornacek is turning 52, an assistant coach for the Rockets. He walked on at Iowa State and became the starting point guard after one season. Go Cyclones. As a junior, he led Iowa State to a Sweet 16 appearance, and he left the school as the Big 8's all-time leader in points and assists. His number 14 jersey was retired. The 46 overall pick uh, in the 1986 draft going to the Suns. He played until 2000, played in several NBA Finals, a one-time All-Star, and a two-time NBA three-point contest winner. Shooter. I'm all for that. 
And then finally, DeMontis Sabonis is turning 26 years old. He is a center for the Sacramento Kings. Sabonis started his career in Spain. He would then move to the United States and play college basketball for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. After being drafted 11th overall in the 2016 NBA draft by the Magic, Sabonis was traded to the Thunder on draft night, spending his rookie season with the team before being traded to the Pacers in 2017. He played five seasons for the Pacers and was named an All-Star twice during his tenure in 2022, Sabonis was traded to the Kings. So the Sacramento Kings, the third team of Demonis Sabonis' NBA career, he turns just 26 years old. A lefty. I yep. love all lefties. Well, and uh, really became a double-double machine and pretty decent player. It's kind of a surprising trade destination for him because and he just goes to another team that's not very good. It's kind of a weird Kings trade, giving right. up Halliburton as well. But, uh, yeah, Sabonis pretty good player. We've got uh, birthdays today. Ty Lue is 45. Austin Meadows is 27. Jeff Hornacek is 52. And Amanda Sabonis is 26. That's our birthdays here today on May 3rd, 2022. If it is your hat birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to my mom. Happy here. birthday to your mom. That's right. We love your mom. And uh, we, we know do. she's listening right now, most likely. I would imagine so. There's a good chance although they went to the beach today. True. So. But a loyal listener uh-huh. to the program, which we certainly do appreciate. Happy birthday to Mama Lavoie. We did love you, that. Did you say happy birthday? Maybe. I speak too <laughs> you fast. You started and to say happen. happy birthday and then... Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Happy hap, hap birthday. Yes, hap indeed. Birth. All right. We have got to take a timeout. On the other side of this break, we will have Player of the Week coming up next here on Sports Call. the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson with Brant Daughtry and Ryan Lavoie. NBA War coming up a little bit later in the program. Uh, it's been a fun show. Haven't done NFL War in a while. We've never had NBA War on the show, so that's going to be a blast coming your way a little bit later in the program. Let's tell you about our newest Sports Call Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn outfielder Bobby Pierce is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. The junior with 5 of 17 in four games last week, hitting two homers and gathering six RBIs. One of those homers came in the ninth inning with two outs in Saturday's game against Tennessee, driving in three runs and putting the Tigers ahead for good, handing the Volunteers just their second loss in SEC competition. Bobby Pierce is Sports Call's Player of the Week week. 
Eric McDade State Farm is a proud supporter of local sports and the community we all live in. Eric McDade has been proudly serving the local community since 2019. Whether you need auto coverage, home coverage, life insurance, or even renter's coverage, you can rest easy knowing that Eric McDade has your back. Stop by and see them today at 907 2nd Avenue Suite A in Opelika, or for more information, call 334-759-7431, or find them on the web at drivewitheric.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Eric McDade State Farm, proud to be a supporter of local sports in the community. Eric McDade is the proud presenting sponsor of Sports Calls Player of the Week. Bobby Pierce gets the honors here this week as he was terrific for the Tigers in their series against Tennessee. Had a couple of home runs in that series alone. And uh, yeah, what a great player he's turned into for the Tigers. You had some worry about the outfield for Auburn going into the season because there's this guy named Stephen Williams who was pretty iconic in his tenure for Auburn. Had, of course, the game-winning regional home run against Georgia Tech to go to the Super Regionals and then Auburn on their way to the College World Series run in 2019. You're right, in 2018, he had the tough play at Florida in uh, the NCAA postseason as well. And so he's not on the team anymore. He's gone on to start his professional career. Who are going to be some of those outfielders for Auburn? Bobby Pierce has been the right fielder for the Tigers all season long. He has really stepped up and had a really big week this week. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, that home run in particular against Tennessee, can't really imagine there's going to be a bigger regular season home run than that uh, to beat essentially the number one team in the country. And, and also a more notable home run of the season just because of how many people uh, ended up talking about it because of the madness that ensued between the Tennessee bench and the Auburn bench and everything. So uh, that was such a big moment. And, yeah, Brant alluded to what we were talking about before the show and just how I'm just a little confused at the moment what Auburn's got to do to move up the rankings right now. I know they're really good in the RPI and they're top five in the country there, but everyone keeps ranking them in the 18 to 22 range. And it's like, okay, well, they swept South Carolina and had a 4 or 5 and 0 week two weeks ago. Last week, they took one from the number one team in the country, which has been nearly impossible to do. It's only the second SEC team to win a game against them. And neither week they moved anywhere. Right. And I just, I feel like, okay, are you just saying you're not going to change your perception of Auburn baseball no matter what happens? Because they won it, beat a series against Texas A&M. Texas A&M is ranked ahead of them with four less wins and one more loss. So how does that make sense? And Auburn's beating the top 10 Texas Tech team in the non-conference. So, and you can't have a better win than what Auburn has because they beat Tennessee. So, I, I'm just a little confused on what it's going to take for Auburn to move up ultimately. Now, you know, I don't know where they sit in the tournament committee's eyes. That's what really matters. Is you know, if they end up being a regional host, then I won't say another beat. Right. But if this, if they're somehow not a regional host, and I, and granted, they've got to keep going because there's three more series left. They can't Still go two SEC and seven. Yeah. yeah, they can't go two and seven here down the stretch. But they take at least one off of Arkansas and win their last two series against Alabama and was it Kentucky uh, then then I, I don't see why they shouldn't host um, so a- anyway we'll, we'll, they, there's still more to play out and we'll see if my bickering needs to even ramp up more but just at the moment I'm just like obviously they can't beat a decent team three times in a row and move up and they can't beat a good team an elite team an amazing team one out three times and move up so just a little confused with all that at the moment but 
if they keep winning, uh, hopefully it'll take care of itself. And, and maybe in the scheme of things, people are paying more attention to the RPI than these current polls. Bobby Pierce is our Sports Call Player of the Week. And you look at what Auburn baseball has been able to do from a perception perspective that we're able to have this kind of argument and disagreement with where they might be seated in the coaches poll. Auburn, again, is number three in RPI right now. But go back to the start of the SEC calendar. Auburn gets boat raced in the SEC series against Ole Miss, who the Rebels at the time were the number one team in the country. Auburn wins the second game, drops that third game, and you don't know what to expect out of this Auburn baseball team. Can they put together some wins? Yeah, they've done that. They have definitely put together some wins. Big loss for the Tigers, though, as it does look like uh, Hayden Mullins is going to be lost for the season, which is a big blow in their pitching, and that's going to be something that they have to overcome. But the fact that they're even in this position is amazing considering where they were at the start of the year. Yeah, and well, and you look at it too, I mean, just based off of last year's successes, when you're replacing your best players off a bad team, there's a lot you have to do to get better at that point because uh, last year's team was not very good. But you still had two or three, four really good players on it, and those players are for the most were not were not back like Ryan Bliss and Stephen Williams and uh, Rankin Wally. So you really had a lot of work to do in that regard, and to not only be able to say, okay, we can replace our top players from last year with the likes of Sonny Deshera and, and improvements from Case and Howell and that sort of thing, but also to say, all right, we're going to get better everywhere, and we are going to find those top-tier players, but we're also going to have a situation where you bring in multiple guys that add good depth that can step up in the clutch and the team has just been very well-rounded and yeah they still have some issues you know they're they're number 18 19 in the country whatever poll you're looking at so obviously they're not a perfect team and and they've got things that they'll have to fight through if they want to advance in the postseason but uh you know coming into the season my expectation i feel like a lot of people's expectation was just find a way to make the ncaa tournament uh not to potentially host and be a, a team that's uh competent enough to make a super regional but i think this team's competent enough to make a super regional and so uh it, it's been a very positive season a much needed season and i know i'm kind of bantering on here but when you look at the the failures of last year's sports season back in 2020 uh 2021 season and you see that the football team was not great and granted it did not improve this year but you look at the football did not have great success basketball had a 500 season missed the NCAA tournament was not even eligible for it baseball misses the NCAA tournament softball was only 27 and 24 didn't win a game in the NCAA tournament and to see what's happened this year with Auburn having you know again football did not improve but basketball have a team that wins the regular season championship in the conference achieves its first ever number one ranking you see baseball be a top 20 team could host a regional see softball be a top 20 team could host a regional both teams good enough to potentially make a super regional there's a lot of improvement off of what was a really dark season for the main programs, the big programs in Auburn Athletics from the year before. So uh, it's just been really impressive to see what not only Butch Thompson has done with his team, but also Mickey Dean and other great coaches here around Auburn. No kidding. What a fun year it was. As again, we ta- started the hour talking about exams, right? Because this exam week is kind of bringing this academic year to a close before we jump into another one. How about we also give a shout out to that Auburn Gymnastics team 
team finishes in the final four for the first Their time. Best season ever, yeah. Ever. Yep. Ever. What a year it was. Suni Lee, the individual national champion on beam. That brings us to the end of hour number one on the other side of this break. We're thrilled to be joined by our good buddy Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and we'll take your phone calls, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 Don't go anywhere. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry. Our buddy Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observers back with us in person in the studio. It's been a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and for once... It's not entirely my fault mm-hmm. that Ferg hasn't been around, which mm-hmm. I'm grateful for. Yeah. Not, but nonetheless, yeah. excited to see you. Last week was my fault. Uh, I had something come up that I, that I had to do on, on, on Tuesday afternoon. But no, I'm back. And here we are. Here we are. And you and I are on good terms? Yes. Okay. We've good. never been on bad terms. It's just like I'm still upset about how you ran Javon off. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you, usually your biggest gripe with him is that Javon's Javon. out, in the, yeah. out yeah. on the couches. And now he's, and now he's, now he's out in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, now he's, yeah, he had to get as far away from, from this as possible. So. Uh, you doing okay? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Just, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like early portion of the offseason. There's still some there's still some football stuff happening, some basketball, definitely a lot of basketball stuff happening right now. Um, but trying to kind of get back into that mode a little bit um, because, you know, when you when you're in it, and I know I know baseball and softball is still going on for for folks who cover those sports, but like when you're in it, from really from SEC media days or maybe a little after that, to when when fall practice starts until the end of basketball season, you're going pretty much twenty four seven or the end of spring football. So it's like, you know, that's like eight nine months where you basically don't have any time off. And so I'm trying to like ease back a little bit and trying to get back into the mode of you know trying to try not to overwork myself too much this time do you remember and again you've been doing this for a while now working right. for many different outlets and now doing your own thing which is so successful you've got to check out the auburn observer and follow justin on twitter at j ferguson au do you remember the first couple of years couple of months when it did get into off-season mode mm-hmm. and just the thoughts that you might have had like what do I talk about? Yeah. Because people want to hear from me or well, that, want to read what I'm Right. Writing. That's the thing is like I, I worked at, you know, when I was at SEC Country or when I was at Bleach Report before that, it was like 
you had to have something pretty much every day or multiple somethings every day. And you sit there and you're like, there's really just, ugh. I mean, like you don't, <laughs> you don't want to force anything, I guess at that point. But, um, you know, going to the athletic and then, and then going into this has made it a little bit easier to kind of sit back. Like what we try to do, I try to have like something every weekday for folks, you know, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast. And we're, we're pretty good about that. Like tomorrow, tomorrow morning we're not going to have anything new we are unlocking um a podcast we did last week with matt brown so for anybody who wants to listen to that it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a real i thought it was a really good podcast not because of anything i said but um because of because of matt but we talked a lot about nil and the ncaa and talked about the the ea college football game some um a lot of people really really liked it and we're letting everyone listen to that it's gonna be on our public feed we'll we'll put that up tomorrow morning and then Thursday, I have some basketball stuff. And then Friday, we'll do a newsletter and a podcast together. Um, so, you know, kind of spacing it out a little bit. Keeping an eye on Julian Phillips as well. Seeing when, you know, potentially a decision could come for him. Because, like, you know, last weekend, you had to be on Janai Broom Alert. So, um, but yeah, trying to trying to say, hey, I'm going to try to get you at least one thing a day during the week. Uh, it seems to be pretty good. And I would, that. I would imagine having the experience where it's, hey, multiple things mm-hmm. during the off season. Oh, yeah. Now this is a little bit, because you know kind of what works what doesn't mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a little bit easier on your plate yeah yeah for sure and um you know try to i, I mean during the off season i can tell people try to get you a football newsletter a basketball newsletter and a mailbag like the basis every single week i'm gonna try to do at least that and then you get two podcasts as well and yeah we're just trying to just trying to space it because you don't want to like you don't want to like put out all the stuff that you have because there's still something like i'm still writing stuff from spring ball i'm still writing stuff from the end of basketball season yeah uh, that i have but you don't want to like <laughs> be like run a ton of it and then like you get to june and july and you're like well crap what do i do now <laughs> like you know so trying to trying to space that out a little bit but um fortunately the, the folks who've been listening and, and subscribing um seem not to mind i'm is, just so fascinated fun. by this because we in a way talk about similar things but just right. entirely yeah, 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 yeah. differently is this something where you start working on projects and take breaks in them or is yeah. it i've got this idea i'll save it for later and when later comes i start on that project altogether yeah it's more of the latter probably but you know um like there's some things that i know that i'm going to try to do pretty regularly that i can go ahead and think it think out in advance but i'm not a I don't write like a lot of feature stories or like any like super in depth reporting or anything like that. So most of the stuff that I do is like the day of or the day before I'll I'll sit down and write it or you know. Um, and then the good news is there's always just something to talk about at least yeah. from the podcast perspective. Uh, but you know with our with our premium podcast that we do, um, there's a lot of we're getting a lot. We're gonna try to at least get a lot more guests. Like we you know had Matt last week and have another one on on, on Friday. So um, try to do that a little bit more because you know it gets more than just hearing me and Painter talk. Yeah. And over again from, from <laughs> parts unknown no yeah. doubt about that how can people while we're here already how yeah. can they support what can they do for the auburn observer yeah auburnobserver.com you can check it out there pretty much every story on the site you can at least like read the beginning of it for free um and see if any of those interest you uh and then you can listen to our free podcast as well you can listen to that on the site or you can listen wherever you look at you know listen to your podcast just search auburn observer um and if you want to subscribe it's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year um we also do a free trial so like if you want to do want to test it out for seven days no money you know involved there you can do that um and then whatever we do so that's like three or four newsletters a week a couple podcasts a week when they go up they get emailed to your inbox uh, most most weekday mornings about 6 a.m central time every morning yep every morning i find it there i come into the office brant's looking at it on his computer 
I haven't got to the Matt Brown podcast yet, but I know that it's yeah, there. Yeah, it's a really it's, good one. It's a good one. You've heard it, Brent? Yeah, okay. I, I listened to it all the way through while I was playing MLB The Show. There you go. Because uh, that's, that's when I listen to podcasts. That, it's either while I'm driving That's the perfect time or, to do a po- listen to podcasts. Yeah, or playing sports video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've been on the show grind, too, I think. I am. Just got done doing something today, actually. Um, got a... And you got did a, that last time. Well. I mean, I'm just... I'm the <laughs> odd man I like the new program as I much. I'm, I'm sitting there trying to figure out, like, what I... Well, crap, what do I want to do now? Because um, <laughs> I'm getting to a point now where, like, my team's, like... I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, there's only just so much more I can I can upgrade. But I went on a little bit of a spree today. Um, ended up getting uh, ended up getting uh, the Dontrell Willis card just because I love D Train. Uh, and then I ended up ended up having enough stuff to uh, to buy Ryan Sandberg, and that card crushes. I don't know if anybody, if anybody listens, anybody plays the 93 rated Sandberg at second base is just a monster on both sides of the plate. That's what is ultimate team. What do they call that in the show? Diamond Dynasty. Diamond Dynasty. Yeah. Okay, but you're. I, Playing more of Road to the Show, right? You're also Road to the Show, yeah. right? Well, because right? you can do two-way player now. Yes, you can be Shohei yeah. Otani yeah. essentially. So I, that is so cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It you is pretty can fun. be Shohei Otani. Yep. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Except that's awesome. you can play a position in the outfield if you want to, but the, or, or anywhere actually. Brand was telling me this, and I finally played enough of it because I just now basically. Uh, with the start of baseball season, got into MLB yeah. the show, and so I hadn't played twenty one or twenty two until a few weeks ago. And twenty one changes the way you kind of come up through yep. the show, and yep. that you have a whole new different system where you can't just get ninety nine ratings and bring up a cap to where you can get up to ninety or ninety five. You have to, as Brant was telling me the other day, you have to wear the right gloves or mm-hmm. get great bats or you know yeah, there's, elbow there's a lot guard of equipment or whatever. Yeah, and, and so you don't. Your archetypes that you can you know. get around Are you it. Yeah, you <laughs> can get around it where you you can say you can equip it and then go and say I never wear like an elbow yeah. guard if like that's not your style. But uh, you do have to equip some of this yeah. stuff to yeah. actually get up to a full rating. But from what I understand, I haven't gotten there yet. We're just at AAA Durham right now. I mean, we just got <laughs> went up from Montgomery. Seeing the race system. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I told them, I said, as a free agent, they'll never offer me enough money to stay. So that's nope. when I'll bolt to the Yankees <laughs> or something like that. It's always but, good. Um, but uh, so I just got up there and um, it was like, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought now. Um, the different elbow guard. I mean, that's what you, you were kind of talking about. Yeah. You were in the conversation with him earlier this yeah, week. Can you help I, get I, back I, on track? What's what's fun is whenever you like grind and you put in like a couple of seasons or a couple of oh, yeah. a, a season and a half with one player and then you make a new player and you get down to double A and you're like a ninety seven overall player. <laughs> yeah. You, you just hit like six hundred. It's so fun. <laughs> that is what's different about it because you, you do have all those archetypes and stuff and it's kinda and that way it's a little more like what two K is in yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it used to be such a just train this and do well at this and then you'll just get up to 99 eventually with a lot of repetition and now it's like you actually and there is still some of that but yeah there is some of that but uh apparently yeah you can get over a hundreds on that i guess is that that was my point of that is that i've just now i'm still in triple a i've played this game for a week and a half two weeks but um Apparently, you can get over a hundred and some of that oh, stuff. Yeah. So that yeah. that would. And be if really you play cool. Diamond Dynasty, there's like you can get up to one twenty five. In case Woo! you're there's some. Do you feel that it? Act, I know people are just like, please stop talking about this. But no. my last no, question, this is a good question, uh, is do you actually feel as if yeah, this is definitely oh, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah, you can continue yeah. to see the improvement yeah. in there. 
There's okay. uh there's a uh, there's a 99 rated uh, Auburn connection. This is a, there's a 99 rated Frank Thomas card from uh-huh. his MVP seasons and his like visions like 125 and his like all of his <laughs> contact and powers well above 100. And uh-huh. like when you play with him, like I've only done it in Battle Royale a couple times where it's just like. Oh man, like it should be impossible to get out with this guy or not make contact. Yeah, it makes it it makes a pretty okay. big difference. What is battle royale in the show? It's like you have to keep winning over like you take a okay. you, you 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 randomly draft a team. It's not the team that you've built, so you can like try out like new cards and stuff like that and then you just keep kind of playing off of that. There's a it's a version of a mode that they did in FIFA. There's a FIFA mode where you do where you do that. Um, it's kind of like a draft mode, but if you keep winning the more rewards you get and once you lose you're done okay. so you try to see how bad how fast how long your streak can be so yeah it's, pre- it's pretty good it's a pretty 125 good. vision in the batter's box is probably yeah like helpful. you're not like yeah, yeah, yeah you're not you're not missing <laughs> yeah it's just like really just good all you have to do is just time it up and you're gonna <laughs> yeah hit it that's why that's what i'm saying you know I, I i get into all that though like road to the show is fun and i'll probably well you know because you get xp in that too that goes to your diamond dynasty you which do. is great um yeah so there, there might be a time where I where I jump in. I haven't done the two way yet, though. I need to try that because it's, it's fun. So it's fun for a little while for me. Like eventually, the pitching just gets boring. I don't think it's as fun as it could, yeah. be, or not even as fun as it could be. I just don't think it's great. After a while, I think it gets repetitive. But mm-hmm. it is it is fun to be like. I think it was a center fielder and pitcher at the same time. I'm a I'm a shortstop right now. There you go. And that's like, playing playing infielder. Middle infield's a lot of fun. Because yeah. they changed the throw meter and everything too mm-hmm. where you actually yeah. have to place gotta, it. Yeah. And uh yeah. They give you though I don't can't speak to once you get the majors again. We're just in Durham ch- ch- you know, with the mo- <laughs> one of the most iconic mo- one of the most yeah. iconic minor league teams. But um they give you some outs throughout the season so far in the first season it's like yeah. you go a couple weeks and it's like hey are you still wanting to do this two-way yeah, thing yeah, how's yeah. it going yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you you get a few weeks in you're like actually I just you know my pitcher you know if it gets repetitive mm-hmm. pitching or if you're like that oh. was what i used to do i used to do we would play as a as a closing pitcher ah. because you would just jump into random stuff yep. all the time mm-hmm. um and you could, i bet that's and a you lot could of, get I bet it goes, season fast, yeah, yeah i bet it, i bet you can do like, like a, a any pitching two or yeah, three any days. pitching though like yeah. you know you can go through it pretty quick yeah i was a starter i was do you i want to be a starter or joystick to hit guys or oh yeah okay so, <laughs> absolutely not I, I, I am timing you, only I heard you I, talk about I, the button same. mashing and uh, I okay. don't want it to be realistic I want to be a baseball god <laughs> now, so, yeah and that's how it used to be like so I'm hitting like 380 yeah. right now <laughs> it's fine because but you're not just pressing the button anymore you want to you want to time yeah, this up I ta- yeah I play zone yeah um they do a new thing now because I'm not. I am not differently when you swing. No, because so I've some people do that. Do yeah, that when so you swing, my brothers that play, they're really good at like playing in one of the camera and like where the pitch goes, they can like move it up and like they can, you know, move the stick in the right spot and swing. Yeah, I'm not I, that. I way. can't do that. I'm not that way. That. So what I do. What I do is I basically like try to bat like in my mind I'm like oh this is kind of like how professionals hit where it's like I come in depending on like where how good my player is and the vision and all that I'm like okay I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm sitting low fastball or I'm sitting like you know I just kind of time it up mm-hmm. that way um, and, and I and I basically do the guessing game and it really ticks people off online because when you play online there's a lot of people who like just go if you throw anything near the zone they're going to just try to go out and hit it and so when they play me i'm like taking pitches and like <laughs> working good counts yeah. trying to get to like two one three one counts and there's like then they'll lob one in there and just drill it yeah so i, I play more i play more because I, I i'm 
you know, I'm I'm 28 years old. I, I don't have the hand-eye coordination anymore to do the like to make that. It's why I'm terrible at shooters. It's like I don't have it anymore. Like I like that <laughs> that part of my hand-eye coordination died like sometime in college, <laughs> and so I can't I I can't do the whole like read and react hit it. And I'm like I'm up there going like okay, so he just threw me this. And he's probably gonna all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit. Yep. Yeah. 2-0 if it's high, I'll swing at it. You know, it's I'm having to do that because if I'm trying to like actually go like no, I can't do that. It's like it's like watching it's like watching kids play you know Call of Duty or something. Like my brother who's in college plays Call of Duty. He's really really good at it. He's really really good at this stuff on the show too. Where you can it's like I just my brain and my hands don't Not work that way anymore. I, I, I have never had the ability to play like shooters and stuff no. like that. I, my, I need auto aim as much as possible. Just like uh, aim for uh, me. Nope. Aim for me, yeah. please. What were you going to say about hitting? More strategic. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, does, does anyone use guess uh, any form of the guess pitch? I used to. No, I mean, back I in the day. Yeah. If you guess the pitch, is that the point? It'll show you where it's coming. If, in you, get it right. yeah. if you get it but, right. But they. So to, if you guess it correctly, that. they'll give you a little attribute bonus or a little. Mm-hmm. Your vision mm-hmm. get a little better. But if you guess wrong, then it goes down. Yeah. A little oh, bit. So wow. it's not egregious. It's not like, oh, I guessed that wrong. There's no chance for me to get a hit. <laughs> it's just like a small penalty. Uh, but I, I do a guess pitch. So I guess I always guess four seam high. And so that so way I can, it. that way I can rule out any chasing anything high, and you just have then you kind of sit the meter or you sit the vision uh, low, and you kind of wait low fastball if you don't get it right or something off speed. Is your time playing the show in recent weeks wanting you to join the Thunder Chickens this no. season? Okay, <laughs> no, because like I said, oh, I don't God. have hand and eye coordination. I see. I just. You know, it's slow pitch softball. Season's coming around the corner. I heard about how much y'all got trucked last season. You I was about to say part of that. Uh, you, you can't will be, not worse be the worst than what athlete have, out there. So. No, no, no. That's fine. It's Hurt just was like a part of the pregame conversations yeah, each and every week. Yeah. And I'm too competitive to join a team that I know you're going to get. I mean, if I'm going to get slammed every week, like just, no, I'm not doing that. I just all, ever since I graduated high school and I don't actually play sports anymore. All sense of like real competitiveness has absolutely left me. Yeah. I just I don't. Oh, care I wish I was. I wish I was. That way. I played I played pickleball for like four hours the other night and yeah it, was, back, hell yeah. it looked like it looked like Federer and Nadal out there <laughs> yeah. the way we were, we were going at it. Oh uh, let's take our first break of the hour on the other side. NBA war debuts here on Sports Call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's keep moving along here on the program today. J.J. Jackson in the studio with Ryan the Boy, Brant Daughtry, and Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer is here. Follow him on Twitter at JFergusonAU. Let's do NBA War. This is new for us. It is new. Brant has no idea what's happening. Correct. You uh, <laughs> were not a part of NFL War. I'm getting a death stare from you right now. Oh, so it's that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm good at this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, lose any of the NFL ones. Right. 
And, and this Brent, will be fun. This is this is a fun game. We're gonna have you well, take was, on Ryan. Yeah, okay. I was told I was not playing. So. And oh, well, Brent, you have to you're learn gonna this serve week. as the judge. Oh. Okay. All right. So I go from not knowing the game to officiating it. To yeah. In, in an Which hour. makes you and like I, any other referee or umpire. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you got and, it. I will host, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Does someone want to explain to Brant and any listeners out there what's going to happen here? Who's the host of the show? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I was going to say. All right, so they're going to receive a pack of cards. Oh. Of NBA players. Again, okay. we did this with NFL. I we you, like in 2020 and 2021. You couldn't find them. You could not find basketball. But now yeah, we're yeah. back, folks. But we are back. I mean, for a couple, they're all over. I meant to text you. I was overwhelmed. Oh yeah, how many we're basketball back. 2022? Cards we are back. <laughs> we're out are you, there. I know. I know you collect cards. Yes. Are you a card guy? Uh, not as much. I used to be way more into okay. it. Ryan, but, how, how do you feel about like cards and stuff like that? When I was a kid, I had probably hundreds of baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with the tornado last year at the oh, yeah. aunt's house, oh, yeah. I, I don't think those are in my possession anymore <laughs> fair enough i uh i was never into like sports cards or anything when i was a kid pokemon I, cards not pokemon uh, i did have pokemon cards but my Yu-Gi-Oh card was my yeah uh, was right. my uh my special collection there you go and i still have i still have all of those cards and some of them are probably worth like a ton of money oh yeah sell them at some sure point. sure for sure um so i'm gonna ha- give them a deck of cards okay a pack of cards right. are we and, talking uh, like tops or or we're panini, let's see what we're doing panini are they hoops are we working with there? Oh, Don Russ. Yeah, you can find these anywhere now. And they are going to open these, and we're going to have five superlatives for oh, them. I'm a blaster. Okay. 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 Five superlatives. Again, we did this in the NFL. We had epic battles between Deshaun Davis and Trevon Reed, and then Ferg would come in and dominate everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a with, game based, I'm sure luck with these Mm-mm. superlatives. No. With these superlatives. You are going to pick a player out of your card okay. and present to the judge why your player is more fitting for that superlative yeah. than okay, your opponent. So, so you're going to... Or so He's going to say a category. Most, most likely a, to, mm-hmm. or best, Correct. worst, whatever. Correct. And you're going to present I mean, me one of the cards in possession. A yeah. player okay. can only be used once. Okay. And yeah. so they're going to hear all of the superlatives ahead of time to know if they want to save somebody for okay, a certain okay, okay. situation. And then, this is cool. I like this idea. And, and so we did this with the NFL, and now we're going to the NBA. And <laughs> I've never had the superlatives written out <laughs> these, before for you guys, are awesome. but I think this will be a little bit easier for people. All right. So our NBA War superlatives here today, May 3rd, <laughs> 2022. <is> <laughs> best fighter, best dancer. Don't get the fifth one. Oh, you don't know the fifth one? To believe well, there's, a, there's a correct theories, answer for the fifth one. <laughs> most likely to throw up at the party and most likely to put sugar in spaghetti. I That's like a callback and and I, and yeah, there is a correct answer if you end up getting it. I uh, I really No, never mind. It's been too long. It was a stupid joke. It would have been funny in the moment, but now Just it's Just to take so. people inside Tiger Communications for today. Okay. I brought our list of every single superlative we ever did for NFL war games to Barry Blanchard, Kate 99.9 FM Evening DJ that you can listen to. And I said, hey, man, big Titans fan. I need the best superlatives to go with to start off NBA war. And so he picked these today. Okay. Let's do it. So Barry made the selections. You guys are opening the uh, pack of cards. Do they, I love do they that know? Um, Here we go. Yeah, yeah some more. Go for right it. <laughs> Hey, similar. <laughs> I, I will say question, that I, I have watched a couple of like breaking streams, like breaking, like yeah. pulling cards out of packs and stuff like that. Yep. And they are all very cool. Uh, usually with baseball, though, not basketball. But uh, yeah, this this is a cool game. I like this. So they don't know the cards that the other has. Correct. Okay. 
Correct. And so, so playing the game. we'll go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan as our full time guy. Well, Ryan, I've got I've got one that can Ryan go has with the about all guy. these. And, Ryan is going to, or it's start. Kyrie Irving, and he's talking about conspiracy theories. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is uh, is going to start with best fighter, Brant. All right, and then Ferg will present a best fighter, and okay. it's up to you to decide who gets the point. I would like to know everyone. I would like everyone to know my experience with the NBA. Uh, my family hates the nba actively <laughs> i will watch it occasionally so oh, it's, it's good, i have played 2k uh, for the past couple, I've and played, you're on twitter you see i, I mean, am on twitter frequently i live on twitter you might not know everything i'm addicted to the bird app um but yeah we uh it's tyler it exists birthday. in my periphery for it's tyler's birthday today oh, and okay. i had asked brant what coach did tyler replace I had no idea for the cleveland cavaliers because uh, David Blatt is who I was oh, going David for Blatt, in the middle yeah, of the yeah. season. And I'm like, people are going to forget about David Blatt 40 years from now, and I want NBA truthers to remember. Legend- it is, it has been six legendary years. Legendary European league coach. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we ready? Black. I think I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Ryan, got a little uh, NBA on TNT music in the background for some folks. Best fighter. Best. Who would you like to present here in NBA, uh, NBA War? So, best fighter, you kind of think of somebody that's going to be kind of a bigger guy. Um, and I don't really have – I have someone else that is I might want to use later for this. So, I'm going to go uh, with Hawks rookie Aneka Nkongu because ah. – He's a big boy. Uh, he started to cause some mischief in the playoffs this year, uh, blocking shots, and uh, they've kind of uh, gone to him a lot more. So probably not my strongest category, but uh, I'm going to go with Kongwu. Onyeka is going to be your yeah. best fighter. Yeah. Okay. Onyeka Kongwu. That's a smart choice because I am a Hawks fan. There like, you go. In my, smart. In my Playing to the judge. Yeah. 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 So, so he went with size. And I do, I do really like double up. He, he, he went size here. I'm going with I'm going with background. I'm going with somebody. I mean, he's not a small guy, six seven, six seven two two twenty six. But the main thing for him is where he's from. Because if I'm wanting somebody who's a fighter, being from Eastern Europe is going to be good. Yeah, especially if you are from a part of a country that has been through a lot of fights in its relatively short history. <laughs> Bojan Bogdanovic comes from Bosnia and Herzegovina, and those boys go to war all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's got pretty good size to him. Onyek is going to be a little bit bigger. But, I mean, if you want somebody who's about that life, get somebody from a for- former Soviet yeah. Republic. So, Bosnia, Bosnia's very own Bojan Bogdanovic. Let me, let me grab this. From, from the Jazz is, is yeah. my pick. So, Brant, you're making the selection now between Bogdanovic yeah. and Onyeka based on those... Presentations. Um, I've already mentioned that I am a Hawks fan. Yep. Which which is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not have a hawk in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's look. Ah, this is tough. I'm going to go with uh, Anyeko Okongwu. All right. right. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think reach. Yes. I think. um, I believe he is Nigerian as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so, reach so for the we, fighter. Yeah. I like exactly. It. We went reach. We went. Uh, I think he's a really good player. He's a center. He likes to bang down low. He's a good. He's a very good player, and I like watching him play. So we'll take it. Best dancer, and Ferg's going to go first with this one. Yeah. So 
There's the one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this. All right, my pick is my pick is Kyle Lowry. Okay, and here's why. Here's why I'm picking Kyle Lowry. If you know nothing about Kyle Lowry, I'm just saying this. I'm just gonna throw this out there. People might That's be driving down. Too. People might be driving down the road, being like, "What the heck?" But I'm just. But the one thing about Kyle Lowry, I can tell you, is of any guard, any smaller guy in the NBA, probably in professional sports altogether. Kyle Lowry's got probably the biggest butt out of all of them. <laughs> so I'm thinking, so I'm thinking, dance moves, Kyle Lowry's going to go for it. Like, it is something on Twitter that he is known for. True. <laughs> so You can back it up, Brant. Yes, sir. Yeah, back it up, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, the, best dancer. The dump truck, Kyle Lowry. Yes. I don't know if I can have a response to that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be tough to overcome that argument. I've never seen Kyle Lowry dance Boom. in my life, but I like that argument. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have a, a great argument to that now. I'll go Davion Mitchell, another rookie. Hey, Auburn uh, yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, yep, uh, Auburn yeah. guy for a year. Um, he is going to lock it up on the dance floor a little bit. I mean, he is a guy that's going to be quick twitch. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. going to be able to uh, move quickly, maybe more as a, a, you know, I know he has some more of a defensive prowess, but maybe he can get on the dance floor and, and again, uh, use a little bit. He be the lead, bit. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know I'm kind of behind the eight ball a little bit on this one, but uh, I'll go <laughs> to Davion Mitchell. Uh, Ryan, Judge you, Brandt, you, you tried really hard. That's yeah, a, that was that a, good a effort. solid effort. <laughs> it's a good effort, uh, especially appealing to like a former Auburn guy, a guy uh-huh. that I really liked watching while he was at Auburn. But the the Kyle Lowry dump truck argument is too strong. That's a really cool card too. Yeah, I like, I like, yeah, I like one the of their sunburst on ones that they yeah. have. In there. Uh, I have a uh, I have a Sharif Cooper uh, rated rookie. Oh, like cool, this. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. We're tied at one. NBA War. Ryan Lavoy and Justin Ferguson. Most likely to believe conspiracy theories. I think I, I think, think I have a good one here, but you're you're holding for something, and yeah. you said that you have a guy that can fit for anything. So I'm like, if I don't win this one, I'm very upset. Okay, <laughs> so we get to burn one here. Kyrie Irving. The world is flat, <laughs> apparently, um, amongst other things. So I don't know if I have to yeah. explain much more than yeah. you're good. Kyrie, yeah. we, we, we we're all familiar with Kyrie and Kyrie's <laughs> history. And, and Brant, explain <laughs> to the audience, again, not a visual medium. You got a wink a little bit earlier from yeah, Ryan well, Webb. He literally. So <laughs> yeah. we said. So we, we were talking about like the most likely to put sugar in spaghetti thing. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, when he opened his pack, said, "Oh, I have one, and I know it's going to win." <laughs> yeah. And I said, "Either he has the the guy who put sugar in his spaghetti, yeah, or is, he's right. got Kyrie Irving, and oh, he's okay. thinking most likely to believe conspiracy theories." And he just winked at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tough to beat that one. I, you know, I'm not even going to put up much of a fight, but I am going to I am going to go with the guy that I I was going to pick here. I'm not just going to lob. Up a, a, yeah, a yeah, burn yeah. one here. I'm going to put a for, good effort in. I'm going with Zach Levine, and here's the only reason why I'm picking Zach Levine. Mm. Zach Levine went to UCLA. Who else went to UC? Went to UCLA. That's right, Bill, Bill Walton. Walton. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking enough, Southern California, enough. UCLA, Bill Walton. I was I was going with that for Levine, but yeah, yeah no, there's, yeah, right, there's Ryan, no there's no that, beating that's Kyrie. Just a there's lucky, no beating Kyrie you know, in this that's category. A great, that's a great great one. All right, next. So two to one. Ryan two to leads. one. Ryan. I'm in trouble. Uh, most likely to throw up at the party. <laughs> I think it's Ferg starting yeah, with this one. Yeah, it's me starting this one. <laughs> um, Who in the NBA is known for being a lightweight? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, that, that That was what I was going with. That's what I was thinking. Um, here's a guy. 
technically an Auburn connection, not really. They recruited him uh, coming, coming out of high school. No, not Jalen Green. Auburn legend. Um, going with somebody that is, uh, that you know, throwing up, I'm thinking maybe not have the, the strength, the fortitude to get to it. This is a tall, skinny fellow. Slider, slider man. Tall, tall, skinny fellow. Also, a young guy, a rookie. Hadn't had much experience. Pretty young, too. I mean, like a young rookie, because um, I think he was a one-and-done guy. 18 Might or 19. Underage. Going for Going for former uh, former Kentucky uh, small forward, uh, B.J. Boston. Brandon Boston Jr. Okay. 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 Uh, all... All uh, all length, literally yes. all yeah. length, yeah. and a young and a young man himself. So Sierra Canyon product. Yep. Here you got. So I think I've got a decent one for this one as well. All right, this uh, could win it for you today. Yeah, that's right. Kelly Oubre Jr. Who, if you if you've seen Kelly Oubre, he kind of looks like he is one hit away from being out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, when you look at the back of the card. Uh, joined up with LaMelo Ball this past year. After news broke that the Hornets would be signing Oubre, the 2020-21 Rookie of the Year took to Twitter to share his appreciation with a series of celebratory emojis. So LaMelo Ball wants to party it up (laughs) with Kelly Oubre Jr. a little bit. And so I'm going to say Kelly Oubre definitely going to go hard at the party. So Kelly Oubre Jr. Is he going to go well, too hard? So here's the thing: he's <laughs> he's going to go hard, but he's actively wanting to go hard, which makes me think he's done it. Think he's done it before. With that in mind, I'm going to go with BJ Boston. All wow. right, he went with the rookie. I mean, go go ahead and make your argument if you want to. I was going to say, but if you are about that life, then you're also going to sometimes not care Q- to Q- break all of this. You can rally for sure. Yeah. So something I have never done. Yeah, like literally would something be would be able I, I to do I want everyone to know I am. I won't say famously, but like in my circle of friends, I am a lightweight. I have never thrown up from drinking. I'll say that. But it's good. But it's good thing to be known this for. Is, this is not what this show is for, but <laughs> <laughs> I just want everyone to know that. I want everyone to know so, that you have a I am not an alcoholic. <laughs> All right. Brent, your yeah. debut is yeah. judge. You, you have found us in a 2-2 tie going yeah. to the final. It's usually how these go, though. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm screwed on the last one because I don't know even what this means. So, All right. Does Ferg have the guy? I don't have the guy, but I have a good answer. Most I likely. Wonder Ryan, I wonder if Ryan has the guy. To put sugar it. in spaghetti. Let me see. Let me, let me see. So, let me see so make your I want to make sure you don't have the guy. Nope, you're in trouble. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So I just lost. Um, Throw someone on there. Most likely put sugar in spaghetti. Um, I don't do this. Again, I don't know what this means. So <laughs> I'm going to say Bradley Beal just because when I'm trying to sweeten Ooh. things up, when I'm trying to sweeten things up, I'm going to take a guy that's one of the best scorers in the league. He plays for a terrible team, but has made that team at least semi-watchable for several years, scoring 30 points a game. Which is what uh, Sugar can do. And despite all the opportunities he could have to Hawks leave. need to find a way to get him. <laughs> despite all the opportunities he could have to leave, he's tried to stick it out and make things sweeter in Washington. So I like what that you is I like strong. what you did with that. I like what you did with that a lot. Yeah. That I tried my really best. So this is a reference to Terry Rozier. Okay. Coming out of Louisville, one of like in a draft interview, he revealed that he loved like his favorite food was spaghetti, but he had to put sugar on it. Kind of like a similar <laughs> thing to Roger McCreary. Yeah, I was gonna beans. say Roger McCreary. But that beans. makes sense with baked beans. Does not make sense for spaghetti. <laughs> Terry right. Rozier talked a lot about ranch on everything as well, and yeah. that same big like, ranch on everything. Ranch on there. Yeah, ranch some on interesting pasta. foods. Yeah. Yes. How do how do you guys feel about ranch? 
while we wait for Ferg to make his decision. I'm a fan of ranch. I slurped it when I was young. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's alive, man. And so, like, I could almost, like, borderline drink ranch. Yeah. yeah. But I think something as a kid, having too much of something. Like, I can still do ranch-flavored things, but, like, I don't ever do ranch salad dressing. I hate hot dogs now. JJ can attest, like, we get wings or something, like, you want ranch. I get it, so I can get it to JJ, who just... I'd has say, a yeah. ton of that's it. my role in getting wings yep. as well. I get yep. the ranch for the other folks. Yep. Well. Yeah, get extra. My, You're such like, a we, great team player. <laughs> we should not ask me about my food opinions. We have right. had we have had discussions. That would be the next segment. <laughs> yeah. God, please no. Uh, but I am not a ranch guy either. No. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so this is a ter- Bradley Beal versus. Yeah, this is a Terry Rozier. You know, reference. reference. So it was hard to do it. I, I, I feel like I can make a better argument than Ryan, Ryan did, though. Even though Ryan made a pretty yeah, Ryan, Ryan gave himself a fighting chance when he didn't I'm know. Going what was with, I'm going with a teammate. Of I was St. Peter's trying to give it a go. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with a teammate of Bradley Beal's uh, for the Washington Wizards. Okay. So here's the thing: sugar and spaghetti. It's a weird combination. Um, it's a mixture of flavors that you wouldn't normally get in a lot of places. When I start thinking of, okay, who would be open to doing this sweet and savory and kind of a combination, I'm starting to think a little bit, think about, okay, what cultures do that as well? Maybe do some weird stuff with like more Americanized food sometimes. And my mind immediately met, uh, went to Asia. Okay, another, uh, more specifically, uh, the nation of Japan, which is where Rui Hachimura is from. Ah. And I would imagine Rui Hachimura as someone from a culture that likes to do a lot of, like, um, you know, hybrid kind of foods and, 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 and kind of fusion stuff. And then also mixing sweet flavors with stuff that doesn't need to be sweet. Very Japanese. So I'm going to go with Rui Hachimura for my pick. Oh, wow. Strong. See that that's you both have really strong arguments, and this is like, that was a lot wizards. better than I thought you were going <laughs> to yeah, come was, up with. This was all like really, really. Good. In a way, I, did I embody Bradley Beal trying really hard on a <laughs> yeah, bad team? Just shooting, just shooting at the other place. <laughs> that's good. But please, begging it to go in. Um, I know where I would go. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure here. I I like. Where would what, you go, JJ? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just throwing. I would go Ferg. Okay, I would, would go Ferg. Well, it's interesting. That Ferg, as a half point. Ferg took it very literally. Ferg was like, you know, sugar, spaghetti, <laughs> flavors. Okay, who likes flavors? What kind of flavors are in spaghetti? Uh, and like went that route. And then right. Ryan was just like, Ryan did like the the literary thing and he made it symbolism <laughs> yeah. in which to be fair Ryan Lavoie is not the only person in the world that before today didn't know the Terry Rozier yeah. that's, yeah. that's an old no, story that's, that's yeah. a did not. really old story yeah and he I don't know why work. that's in my brain. There's like, <laughs> there's like an actual fact about a person or some, you know, cherished memory that I don't have in my brain anymore. <laughs> because instead, <laughs> I have the idea that I remember that Terry Rozier like putting sugar in his <laughs> Well, and you said Barry came up with these, so apparently it was in Barry's. Yeah, story. it was. Yeah. 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 This is tough. Uh, well, you're the judge. This and is this tough. Is what my you're... voice cracked. I'm 23. <laughs> um, that still happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ferg. All right. Ferg. Undefeated. Ferg is undefeated. <laughs> this was the toughest one I had yet. Because you don't know this, but I used to just smoke Trevon in this. Oh, it wouldn't even be close. And Trevon would be like, 
talking about the dudes like uh, on the cards they'd be like he knew him like he knew him personally <laughs> be like yeah that's a bad answer though he'd be like <laughs> man <laughs> man that's right yeah. but oh, still that was a lot of fun. so who uh, who was left out of the cut that's always our favorite you guys had yeah. eight cards I had, yeah. who did not make the cut who I had not I had presented? Will Barton okay uh, Miles Turner alright I'm sorry Will Barton does not sound like a dude who plays in the NBA <laughs> and uh, yeah Will the Thrill Barton um, and then uh, Mike Conley so like some okay. notable players yeah. that just yeah. couldn't Mike Conley's just like didn't really fit any of those um, uh, but I would like to thank Kyle Lowry and um, the dump truck. Yeah, the, yeah, the dump truck behind. I would like. I would like. Was great. And I, and I thought I got off to a really good start with the Bojan answer, but you know I was going up against a Hawks fan. So yeah, well, <laughs> that, I mean, like bias ra- judging. Ra- range is a thing. Range. Yeah, yeah, that he, definitely. Yeah, I I could absolutely, especially dude who's really from Nigeria. Yeah, he he'd put up a really good fight. Yeah, the uh, the whole. Um, I hear Mike Conley, and yeah, your Rui Hachimura answer was really, really good. But I think Mike Conley might put sugar in his spaghetti too. Mike Mike Conley's I, from Arkansas; he'll do yeah, anything. I feel I feel like that's a that's an old head Southern mm-hmm. thing to be done. And he spent he spent a lot of time in Memphis. In Memphis? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked. Bradley Bill went to Florida. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, crazy things happen there. Uh, Bryn Forbes, who was useless for this exercise and most of the time useless in the NBA, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I, shoot a little he's bit. Plays but, for the Nets. Um, I think he's with Milwaukee right now. Okay, uh, he, he was is, with the Spurs yeah. at one point. Uh, he shoot a little bit. Michigan but, State. Yeah. Um, right. I these other two were in the in the running for best fighter and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> I didn't consider them again. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Oh, that would have been my answer. answer. That would have been, been a seven footer from Eastern uh, Europe. And yeah. then uh, yeah. Precious Achua, just because precious, there's nothing yeah. precious yeah. about how he plays yeah. the game. So, <laughs> well, but uh, Joseph would have been one because Joseph. I think Joseph's from. Croatia or something. Yeah, I, yeah. Yusuf yeah. Nurkic versus Onyeko Okongwu. I felt I like there was Nurkic. maybe something else I could throw him in. Like but he's not just yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, like wide mm-hmm. as well as tall. You want these backs? Or there you go. That's oh, Yusuf Nurkic right? also from Bosnia. That's fine. So. I enjoyed that a lot. It would have just been a bigger version of my pick. <laughs> <laughs> would you be ready to jump into this game next week? Absolutely, I would. Okay, probably not with the NBA. Because I don't know enough of the players. Like, I know, I have heard the name Bryn Forbes before. I could not tell you. Well, then that's the joy of opening up a card. You've got to make a decision. And it's hard to, to do it with baseball ben players because they don't have defined personalities. That's like all five true. of them. That's, like, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Baseball. Yeah, I dare you to find a category for Mike for Trout. Part. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, most as like, great as he is. Most likely to eat white rice in a room by himself. <laughs> like, that's what I imagine Mike Trout does like, instead, like when he's not playing baseball. And for what it's worth, I don't know the rosters of most, most likely to watch paint dry. He's just sitting in a in a completely white room, just like staring ahead until someone tells him it's game time. <laughs> Mike, you have to play baseball now. Okay, he's, he's like Captain America. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Oh. One of his. It might be his he's biggest the Winter Soldier. It might be his biggest. Uh, well, maybe it's the one I've only seen. Like when you talk about like endorsement deals, because that's the thing. He's like one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You don't really see him like because that's not his personality, which I completely respect. Just make a ton of money and, and be quiet and like you know I can I would be be I, really really good at one thing and shut up the rest of the time. I, and like that would be like that the would, life. That would be great. I would I, I would I, I I very much identify with that. I would imagine, but um, <laughs> one of the only ones that I've ever seen that Mike Trout has an endorsement deal with is uh pre- is a pretzel company, Super Pretzel. Like the ones that sell pretzels at like baseball games, yeah. and it's like it's like literally the, the, the bread with Bre- salt. Bread and salt. It's yeah. like it's like it's like that's Mike Trout. He uh. is bread and salt. He eats saltines for yeah. dinner. Like yeah. just 
Oh man, another just drinking edition. Drinking room temperature tap water and getting ready for the game. <laughs> of uh, trading card war. This time we debuted the NBA version. We'll do that again next week with our buddy Justin Ferguson. I'm going to keep Ferg around a little bit longer to open up hour number two with us. Talk a little bit about Auburn athletics and things going on in the wide world of sports. Alongside Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, and Justin Ferguson, I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours of the books, and we are rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry. Our buddy Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer is here with us on the show today as well. Uh, Brant, days with Ferg are just better than other days. They really are. Some of my favorite days. I love having him around. This it's uh, it's as you always say, fun with Ferg. But this time, fun follows and not something like awful. Like so, this guy just got injured. Tell us yeah. about it. Or terrible day. Uh, all the rain coming into the area today. Uh, but, Let's talk uh, about bees. Yes, we. Uh, I like bees. Let's not talk about bees. Why are we talking about bees? Let's not talk about bees anymore. That was a wild day for sure. Oh yeah, I thought about bees one day. You, you, were, here. you were here. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I already blocked that out of my memory. Yeah, yeah we're not doing that again. <laughs> uh, we played NBA War a little bit earlier, and that was Ferg really cool. I enjoyed stayed that. Stayed undefeated. It's a fun. It's a fun game. We're gonna bring it back. Uh, it's gonna be a part of the summer rotation of things to do on a Tuesday. There we I go. Like it. So uh, that seems like a good play moving forward. The Braves just lost game one of their doubleheader 5-4 against the Metropolitan. So that series is now tied a game apiece, and they're going to run it right back. Yeah, and hopefully it goes – man, they're, it's something – they're just a little off in yeah. every form, in fact. Because we when were talking – the hitting's there, the pitching's not. When the pitching, the starting pitching's there, the bullpen's not. Or the hitting – like, it's just – it's. They're, yeah. they're just inconsistent. As of yesterday, going into play yesterday, they ranked 21st in batting average, 18th in run scored, 24th or 23rd in team ERA, but they were tied for third in homers. So it was like they're not hitting for contact, so they're in a lot of solo home runs, which ironically they got a three-run homer today. But then their starting pitching has been a little off because in these close game situations, they've done a pretty good job in the bullpen. Jansen's not blown a save yet, but – uh, you know, again today Charlie gets hit for five runs, and now you're just starting to yeah, wonder. Something's off with him. Yeah, if he's if he's kind of lost a little bit. I mean, some guys decline. It's the thing that happens. And, and he, he did is, have a pretty severe injury in the World yeah, Series. Yeah, yeah. And so you you worry if something might not be be clicking there, or might not click again. But um, yeah, it's Still just early. an une- uneven start, and yeah. you know, until we get fifty or sixty games in, I don't think anyone should be full panic mode. But you know, the Mets are – I think they're going to be better than last year. So, you'll have to pick up the pace a little earlier than last year. 
four straight National League Eastern Division titles for the Braves, trying to make it five uh, and have some work to do. They'll play the Mets here again today and uh, one more game tomorrow in this four-game series for Atlanta. Uh, also, what happened over the weekend, the NFL draft came and went, and only one Auburn Tiger heard his name called, Roger McCreary, heading to the Tennessee Titans. Let's talk fit first. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that uh, you're happy for Roger, first of all, that he gets to stay somewhat close to home, stays in the South. Uh, I think he's going to fit culturally in with what the Titans do. Um, <clears throat> I think they have gotten a lot of young corners these last few drafts. Caleb Farley last season was was their big first-round pick. Got Christian Fulton not too far uh, along. Elijah Molden was a really good third-round pick for them last season. There's a lot of young cornerbacks, and there's a lot of competition in Tennessee. The thing with Roger and why Roger wasn't a first-round pick this year is his arms. Uh, they measured him at the Senior Bowl, and they were like, oh, dear, his arms are very short. Um, it would have been uh, if he plays outside corner in the NFL, he'd have the shortest arms of any outside corner in the league uh, if he played tomorrow. Um, and that's that's tough because it's like it, you, you can't control that. Like you, It's not like something like, oh, I can get faster or I can get stronger or I can get better on my technique. It's like, no, that's just God gave you shorter arms than, than most corners. The thing about Roger, though, is that it kind of makes it even more impressive what he was able to do at Auburn, knowing that he wasn't this like physically just dominant player, but the fact that he was an All-American, he was an All-SEC player, a very disruptive corner. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with, with Tennessee. Um, when you have short arms like that, the thought process immediately goes to slot corner, not playing on the outside as much. The thing about Roger, though, is he hasn't played slot corner. So if they want him to develop into a slot guy, which can be very, very valuable in the league if if you if you make a career uh, being that, I think they just need to. I think the Titans are going to have to be patient with him. Um, but in terms of attitude, in terms of culture fit, I think it's perfect. And, and knowing what Roger was able to do at the outside at Auburn, you think about some of the guys he came up against in the SEC. Some short, shifty, fast. I mean, you think about the Alabama receivers, some of the LSU receivers in the past, how he's been able to play against them. And then play against some bigger guys as well. He can hold his own. So I think if he moves the slot, if they're patient with him, that can be something that he can do. Um, but it's just not something that he's just done a ton. Uh, so I think they're just going to have to be patient. And I think they're going to be able to afford to be a little patient because they have so many young outside corners in their, in their room. Yeah, and they obviously, with the early second-round pick, you know, Roger was – probably going to be first round until everyone until figured out how, yeah. how short the arms were and it, it does provide the the interesting nugget there that there is going to have to be something either taught about mm-hmm. being a slot corner and changing to that role or just having to get by the circumstance that this yeah. is a little different type of outside corner um but he's still very skilled and we know that he had first round talent um tennessee as you said they've drafted a lot of young corners uh recently and they're just waiting for one of them to kind of stand so out. And, and that's good news because they're really probably not married to anybody nope. necessarily so that, that's always reassuring that really all the spots are kind of up for grabs and so uh, you know i think it's a pretty good spot for him and obviously for the draft as a whole, disappointing for Auburn only get one. We knew they wouldn't have a ton. Uh, it was probably looking at three tops. But, you know, for, for Roger, it was still not a precipitous fall. Nope. It was not like it was just a – some guys, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks before and how 
obviously everyone and their brother knows that these guys are not your typical top three or four QBs that you see in a draft. But yet, until draft day, there were still mocks that were saying, well, maybe Atlanta will go with Malik Willis, or maybe the Panthers yeah. do want Kenny Pickett, or or whatever the, the rumor of the day was. And uh, other than Pickett to the Steelers, which was very reasonable, all the guys went way later. So it wasn't like yeah, Roger but- dropped – 60 picks like no. some of these QBs really ultimately did. I mean, Sam Howell could have gone in the second round, he went in the fifth, and Malik Willis could have gone in the first, he went in the third. So, uh, you know, some of these guys really had big drops. So for Roger, you know, I think you're with a good team, yep. you're going to play meaningful football from day one. And again, to reiterate, you know, they could try to move him, but also at the same time, there's really no one, I think, too locked into their position, their role there. Let's talk about uh, the fact that Auburn only had one player drafted in the NFL. That was obviously something that a lot of folks uh, were probably surprised by. I think people thought uh, Smoke Mondays, Kobe McClain, kind of being those names that you could see have their name called towards the end of the draft. And there's certainly been a big reaction to that, which we'll get to in just a moment. But only one uh, player drafted by Auburn. Yeah, and that's not too too surprising when you when you get to guys who have sixth or seventh round grades. This kind when you get to the second, I mean, or really like the the second half mostly. Yeah, early six you can still get some guys, but like once you get, yeah, yeah, no, no straight up, <laughs> I just forgot I couldn't count in my head. When you get to the second half of day three, you're just throwing picks out there. And it can be a guy that is on nobody's board. It could be a guy that fell a lot. And so nothing's guaranteed at sixth and seventh round grade. Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. It's just a matter of if a team just says, hey, this makes sense. I think with the sixth and seventh round, if you're if you're mocked into that range, a lot of times those late picks, you're banking on upside. You're trying to find a steal. For the cases of Kobe McLean and Smoke Monday, these are guys that were really good college players, really productive college players, but not necessarily guys who have NFL measurements, not necessarily have me- of NFL times and stuff like that. Don't you know? Zacoby, phenomenal linebacker at the college level. He's small. He's just small for an inside linebacker, so that's going to be a harder sell for some teams to make. Uh, Smoke Monday, great player, some inconsistencies on film, doesn't blow you away with his testing. Sixth and seventh round picks, you're going to get more guys where you're like, okay, well he played at a D two school, but look how big he is, or look how fast he is, or like, and you got a lot of that. And so if you're a really good college player, at the end of those, if at the end of those, you're, you're, I mean, the the Seahawks drafted a dude who played at UTSA, who's a 6'4 corner who ran a 4'2'8". Wow, that's freak. I mean, absolute freak. Well, he moved from wide receiver to cornerback during his time in college. He wasn't very productive as a college player. But it was the measurements where it was like, well, we could take a shot on him. Instead of taking a shot on a guy that you're like, yeah, you were a good college player, but you might not have what it takes to sure. physically make it in the NFL right now. You're going to have to overachieve, basically, at that point. So that's why it gets tougher when you look at those sixth and seventh. Even you look at some of the sixth and seventh round picks Auburn has had over the years at some of these spots. Some of them have something about them where it kind of stands out. Really don't have that with Zacoby or Smoke as much in this one. Also, seventh round is just a, is a, just a number. For the players themselves, it's a whole lot better to be an undrafted free agent than getting picked right at the end of the draft. You get to kind of handle your spot. Choose where you want to go. Um, so this was never going to be a big class for Auburn. I also think this is going to underscore like next next year should be a much bigger class and much more like a normal class for Auburn, maybe even a little better in some spots. 
I think it also underscores like this 2022 team, there are holes in this roster. There are a lot of questions about this team. There's not a whole lot of hype around them. They've got some dudes. Like there's some star power coming back to this team this year. And Brian Harson and his staff, I think what this I think what this draft class did is more than anything, is underscore, okay, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, guys like that came back. You gotta make you gotta take advantage of that. You gotta take advantage you've gotta be a better football team this year. Because you can't use the excuse you don't have NFL players. You've got some NFL players on this team. So how what are they gonna do to minimize the weaknesses that they do have and take advantage of the fact that they have a Colby Wooden and a Derek Hall and a Tank Bigsby and, you know, uh, a Nehemiah Pritchett and some of these other guys. Like, take advantage of that because – or Owen Papo. Take advantage of that because this is not the normal, like, rebuild, right? You're, the cupboard was not bare. This year didn't have as many guys go out. We knew that was going to happen. But you had some guys who could have got, gotten drafted this year come back. You got to take advantage of that. You can't. The, no one's going to be able to. I th- I, this time next year, we're going to look at the, the draft class, and we're not going to be able to look at the 2022 Auburn Tigers and say, "Well, they just didn't have a whole lot of talent." That's not going to be the excuse this upcoming year. Is the program stepping back, though, Ferg, when you look at the fact that there was just one player drafted? I know that that's a narrative that people might yeah. want to push here and there, and there's been a lot of discussion yeah. uh, on some of the coverage around the team. Uh, well, it's not good. Right. I think anybody can see that. I mean, when you see Georgia break a record, one of your biggest rivals, it's not good. Um, yes, this is always going to be a smaller class. I will also say this. Auburn historically is not an NFL like you know developmental ground. One thing that I think people didn't really realize during his tenure is that under Gus Malzahn, Auburn was Auburn had never been better as an NFL draft producing program than when Gus Malzahn was there. Look at the numbers in the modern draft era. No coach had been more successful in getting guys into the league than Gus Malzahn, and even still, it's about four guys a year. Four, maybe five on, on some good ones. You had some earlier picks like that. Auburn historically is not a great NFL draft producing program for whatever reason. It their NFL draft production does not measure up their overall success level, and that's just kind of how it's always been over the years. A team like Iowa, a team like Nebraska, some of the teams out on the Pac-12 produce more NFL draft player draftable players than Auburn does historically. They're not as good of teams and not as good as programs as Auburn is. Because the number one priority is the number one priority for any college football coach is win football games on Saturdays. Yes, win on Saturdays. Now, what's the easiest way to win on Saturdays? Have a bunch of talent that's going to play on Sundays, right? Georgia's done it. Alabama's done it. LSU's doing it. Like that's it's going to happen. But for Auburn, if you are not going to recruit at this elite level consistently, and I know people want it to happen. It's not. Like, you know, there was some, somebody was making a comment that, uh, this week that was like, um, you know, Brian Harson's got to recruit at this elite level. Look at what Georgia's doing. Look at what Alabama and LSU and Texas A&M and all that. And it's like, you know, Tupperville couldn't do it. Malzahn couldn't do it. Uh, Chiswick couldn't do it consistently. Bowden couldn't do it consistently. And it's like, you can point all that effect. And then my, my thought process there is like, okay, guys, maybe it's just not going to happen at that level, right? So what you've got to do is – you got to maximize what you do get, and then I mean I, I think they can be better. Yeah, I mean Brian Harson, one of his things at Boise State, Boise State produced a whole lot more NFL players than a, than what you would expect a team that had that talent level to come in. That was part of the pitch when he came to Auburn. So you can get better. It's going to be recruiting. It's going to be development. It's going to be an all of the above thing. 
But it's like, if you're Auburn, Georgia and Alabama, the way they recruit historically, you don't normally get up to that level. So trying to chase that, I think from a fan perspective, is only going to end up in disappointment. But what Auburn has done over the years with Malzahn, with Chiswick, with you know the Cam and, and Nick Fairley year in 2010 winning the national title in some of those Tuberville years, is Auburn, probably more so than a lot of other programs that are in this spot in the country, have been able to overcome that, right? So the NFL draft is a great example. If Auburn's recruiting at a top 10 level, at a top 15 level consistently, they should be getting more people into the league. That was one of the criticisms of Malzahn. Even still, it was still something that better they did than they had been be- doing better they had done. But, you know, trying to compete against Alabama and Georgia in this category right here is going to be very, very, very tough, if not near impossible. But we know that Auburn can do that when it's at its best. It can do it in some unconventional ways because you're not going to rack up five stars here. You can get some really, really good four stars and some and the occasional five star too, and you can have some awesome football teams doing that. But like I, I think Iowa's a perfect example of that. Iowa puts out dudes into the league every single year at a high rate, and it's like ain't nobody going to trade where Auburn is as a right. program, their success for the last decade or so to go be Iowa. No, so it's just one piece of the puzzle. But I think people don't need to overemphasize it. But yes, one, it's not good. And it does underscore what you're what you're having to go up against. This is a quiet year for Alabama in the NFL draft. They had six guys go. <laughs> right? That would have been a, that's that's an amazing year for Auburn historically. Right. And a potential number one overall pick next year. Right. So that it just shows you what you're up against. Yeah. Um maybe two. Yeah. You you, you can't you can't um you, you can't overemphasize it because the main goal is to win on Saturday. Um, but you got to maximize the talent you get, but you also got to get better at getting it. Like, we all know that this staff, as it is currently constructed right now, is not recruiting at a level that Auburn is usually at. It's still early. There's right. a number of reasons for that, right? The book has not been completely written on Brian Hartson and his staff when it comes to recruiting. I'm not saying that at all. So it's just you got to develop and you got to keep, I mean, you got to get better in both areas. It's just, it's just a complete, like, it's just one of those things where you look at and say, you got to get better. Right. Ryan, then Brant. Anything you want to add there? Uh, yeah, I thought you were about to ask a question of Brian, then Brant, answer this for you. <laughs> yeah, no, you. That's what, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, this is stuff. I mean, we talked about some of this yesterday. Uh, we had conversations off air yesterday about some of this stuff. I was very impassioned about this. I will not be that impassioned on air uh, as I was off air yesterday. Uh, some words are not allowed to be said uh, on airwaves. But, I mean, I, I just think that sometimes there's this line that people think don't exist. And it's not that Auburn doesn't want to move the line. Of course, Auburn in a perfect world would love to become what Alabama and Georgia have been the last, well, what Alabama has been the last decade plus and what Georgia is becoming. But the reality is, is that people penalize Auburn coaches and players for being as good, if not a little better than what they've always been. And, and people think that the line should be much higher than what the entirety of, of history has been. And again, you want Auburn made a change to try and change that, right? But again, I, I got mad for a, a long time and, and still get mad that there's a lot of 
blame and a lot of people that just again say well Gus is a high school coach so we get anybody in here that can actually coach you know we're gonna go ahead and win 10 games a year we're gonna fly through that and I, I just I've always hated that sentiment because people always compare Auburn to Alabama and Georgia and I get it it's the biggest rivals you still want to beat your biggest rivals. I get it. But you're trying to, especially in the case of Alabama, trying to compare yourself to a program that very few in the entire country can compare themselves to. I mean, a one handful tops. And so you've got to look at it and say, as you've got to make sure you're keeping teams that are historically below you, below you. You got to keep the yeah. Mississippi teams below you. You got to try and keep Arkansas below you and that sort of thing, which I feel was was done. And then you've got to say, all right, how can we just slowly climb or or how can we just take these steps to where we can be right here with Alabama and with Georgia? And so I I understand that Gus did not do some things like you said he had top 10 recruiting classes that might suggest he should have gotten a few more players in the nfl but it doesn't mean he did a bad job of that didn't mean he did a bad job of winning on saturday and so again harson is here now and he's trying to send a different message through the program build with a different build it a different way and so that means that there's going to be a complete flip in how things are done. And that doesn't mean that the way Malzahn did it was, you know, laughable or entirely insane or awful. It just means it's different. Yeah. And Harson's got to take players that were designed for something else, take some of them, try and redesign those players, and then bring in a, a whole new wave of players that are designed for what he wants to do. And so – I I've just I was frustrated the other day on the show and particularly off air on just how people were looking at this thing as if a it's all on Malzahn or b you know look how you know terrible of a job Harson starting off with multiple things can be true at the same time and there's a lot of work to do but I think that obviously with what Harson is trying to accomplish it's not an easy way out type of scenario. It's not a boom or bust type of scenario. It's a slow plotting of we're going to first instill the right attitude. We're going to work hard and slowly, but surely we'll build the talent, build the talent and how we want it to look. And so eventually you'll see more NFL players that will have that development process and, and that sort of thing. But again, to what Ferg was just saying, it's like, even still, even if uh, in a couple of years Auburn does achieve the, the goals that it's trying to get to, it does become a double-digit winner, it's still not going to mean six or, or five first-round picks come off of one side of the ball. Holy hell. Yeah. You're never going to have against, that much. Yeah. You're never going to have that much talent. That's insane. And if you do, it might just be once. Right. right? And right? So, you think about the best, the most talented team Auburn's ever had, that 2004 team, in terms of first-round picks. Was it four? They had four on that team? I believe so. Campbell, Brown, yeah, Cadillac, like, and – That's uh, the pinnacle. That was, that was the yeah. pinnacle, and that's what you're – and, yeah, it's, it's, it's so tough to – so, uh, sorry, that was a, a long-winded yeah. answer. But. Uh, well, and, and, and I want to – because you, you what, something you said made me think of this is one of the best ways to compare, I think, period, what college football is 
as a structure, as a culture, as what it is as a sport, the best comparison you can find anywhere in the world is European soccer. And, the, and the, there's it's just the it's the deep ties that go beyond just I'm a fan of this team, this franchise, this you know it's these deep personal ties. But the other thing is just how it's set up, right? Look at any other professional sports league in the world, it, except for baseball. And baseball is a little different just because of the draft and all that. But it's it's there's salary caps. There are ways to acquire talent and the soccer. If you got it, you got it. You got the money. You're gonna throw it. You're gonna throw it, and you're gonna you're gonna you have the size. And so what Auburn is, Auburn historically, you look at um, a comparison to them. Auburn is a, um, you know, Auburn's like a Tottenham or Arsenal to an extent. Um, you know, Chelsea maybe in some of their other days where you are not the biggest game in town. I think Tottenham's a perfect example. You're not the biggest game in town. You're regular, You're not regularly the biggest game in town in your league. But, man, you're the underdog. And you can get under the, the underdog skin. And you're just like, we don't have as much money as these teams. We don't have as big a fan base as these teams. True things for Auburn compared to both Alabama and Georgia. Oh, but, man, when we get them, we can get them. And we're right in their backyard, and we know it. And the thing about why I like pointing that out is this. Take a team like Tottenham. Take a team like Atletico Madrid in Spain. Take a team like Borussia Dortmund in Germany. Not the biggest game. They're not the, they're not the juggernauts, but they can beat the juggernauts. The other thing there is is that they can look at their own selves in their own league and say, yeah, we're probably about, what, fourth biggest, fifth biggest? Look around. It's like, man, oh, that's got to be fr- so frustrating. It's going to be so frustrating. Look at where you are compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, A team like Tottenham might be the fifth biggest in England. That makes them the tenth biggest in the world. <laughs> Auburn's in the same spot where they are in the SEC. When you are a team, is you're the only team that's got to play Alabama and Georgia and, and, uh, and LSU every single year. You're the only one who has to do that. And you're like, man, well, how do you compete with that? Well, look. Where you're at in terms of size and, and history and tradition and success and, and all that, yeah, you may be fourth or fifth best, quote-unquote, or most prepared, whatever, in your own league. You're a whole lot better than 90% of the sport, <laughs> right? And so that's that, that perspective. It's like Auburn, you know, Auburn didn't pick to be in, you know, didn't pick to be where it sits geographically, right? Well, I guess technically they did. But, like, you know, you know it's like, you know, Alabama's on one side and Georgia's on the other. There's two of the biggest names in, co- in college sports. It's like, well, embrace. This is tough. That's the thing. It's like you can either be mad that you're not Alabama or Georgia. But it's like historically, like you can say, well, maybe they can get to that point. And maybe, maybe, maybe things fall the right way. Maybe you get the right coach, and maybe you get on a tear. Maybe you can do something like that. But look at the they've been playing this game they've been playing this yeah. game for over a hundred years. Still we kinda know what's what the setup's gonna <laughs> look if, like. If you do change and you do get to that level, you still don't change history. Yeah. And they're still always gonna have those years and I, and I think, over you and, and there's I think, nothing you can do about right, that. Right. And I think thirteen and ten and oh four, uh, to an extent, I think those seasons showed that like, hey, I mean that's 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 three times in the span of 10 years where Auburn was either a national champion or should have been a national champion or almost was a national champion. Man, there are teams, there are so many big programs in college football that have never gotten to that point. Yeah. At least not three times. As well. Yeah, exactly. 2017, they were on the doorstep as well. And so it's like, 
But those years and those moments, I think that's part of the attitude of Auburn. And what and what, this is where I thought the Harson hire, and it still it can end up working out, obviously. So where I thought the Harson hire made a lot of sense for him because he's coming from Boise State, and Boise State's whole motto was "We're the underdog, and here we're here to mess you up." And that kind of we're going to outwork you, we're going to outscheme you, we're going to prepare out prepare you. You may have more talent than us, but watch out, we're, we got something for that. Yeah. That's Auburn. To, to all of its neighbors, to all of its big neighbors. That that style that Boise State took. And the thing with Boise, though, is they did it once a year. They played Oklahoma. They played, you know, they played in these big games. They're like, all right, now we got to swing for the fences. Auburn, you got to do it, you know, three, four, five times in, in a season. And so it's where I think the Harson hire and that culture and that attitude, that's where it does fit in with Auburn. That's why I think a lot of people kind of identify with it. That's why I think a lot of fans, even with the negative results, even with what happened with the investigation and all that, and that whole situation, that's why I think there's so many fans that believe in Hearts and they want because they see that in them. And it's like, and that's Auburn, man. Like, yeah. uh, like you're not going to be Goliath, but like, admit it. If you're if you're an Auburn fan, you look around, you're like, you love being David. Like, you <laughs> love doing that because when you win, it makes it that much sweeter. No kidding, Brent. Let me hear from you. Uh, I, I think Ryan hit the nail on the head earlier when he said that. Uh, multiple things can be true at once i was which no one thinks about like yeah 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 i I was i was a fan of gus malzahn i like him i think he's a good football coach i was ready for him to be gone at auburn i think that brian harson did a very poor job with his first recruiting class but i also think that there is room for him to get better and i think he has i think auburn is going to continue to get better i like brian harson uh i'm not fully bought into him yet but it just as a as an Auburn football fan, I, I think he's done a pretty good job. I like the culture shift that he went with, um, and I, I think Ferg's exactly right in that Boise State and Auburn are very comparable. Uh, Auburn is never going to out recruit Alabama and Georgia and LSU and the Florida schools, the three big Florida schools that you have to compete with, and that's where all of your your massive talent is going to come from. The only state that touches Alabama that you can compete with the schools there is Mississippi, and let's face it, they're not churning out five stars in Mississippi. Uh, there are some great players from there, but not not enough. So you, you're right. You gotta be. You gotta play David a little bit, and David does not mean. Losing record, losing record, losing no, record. No, 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 no. You compete for a national title for one year, and then you're back down into the dumps. And I think, and I think what Auburn, I think the thing with with Malzahn was that it wasn't consistent enough, right? It was boom or bust. Yes, and, that, and people got frustrated with that. Yeah, because the boom period is a lot of fun. It was awesome, but when you're like, well, every year you're probably gonna lose four or five games, it's like, ugh, that's tough yeah. because Auburn's better than that. and at least two or three of them that you should win. Yeah, Auburn's better than that, right? That's that's my whole take. Like you. I don't think Auburn can realistically expect to beat Alabama and Georgia more often than they lose to them. Like, I think the best-case scenario is you split those bad boys. Like, that's the absolute best-case scenario. Win at home. Is that, yeah, yeah, or yeah. And if you do lose at home, get them back on the road at some point. Like, yep. that's your best-case scenario. You can do that a little bit more frequently. We, we know that Auburn's record against Georgia and Alabama and LSU was not near 500 under Gus Malzahn. We know the he dropped some games – that they shouldn't have dropped. So it was just that consistency there. But, man, when it worked, it worked. And it was a lot of fun. And it very much fit into Auburn and what, what it is. So now you got to do that with a completely different style. And it was – it's the whole thing when he got hired. You go back to – you go back to – I mean, I, the first story I wrote about after uh, Brian Harson got first, – first thing I wrote, first newsletter, was I pointed out that his statement, Jay Gouge's statement – and Alan Green's statement all had the words consistently compete in there. 
it was the like that was the that was the thing they thought of when they were coming in. So can you do that? Consistently compete doesn't mean consistently win. Consistently compete doesn't mean consistently put out eleven win teams and and put all these dudes into the NFL draft. Really good point. It means compete, and you can be better consistently. Be better. So when you do go back to the crux of this conversation, one dude in the draft, whew, that's tough because you had just gotten to a point where you're putting four or five in. That's where Auburn needs to be a lot more consistently. And then you can build from that. Like to Ryan's point earlier, you build off of that gradually. It's a process. You want to be like, man, I wish we could snap our fingers and get back to the national championship. And well, you did that. And you didn't like that. <laughs> you didn't like you didn't like you didn't like the come down off of that pretty that quickly. Um, so it's just like, all right, what do you do to this point? I think another great thing that you mentioned or that you didn't mention, but another thing that Boise State and Auburn being very comparable at Boise, Brian Harson was pumping out NFL draft picks. Yeah. He took a, he with, took a, he with took a walk on four and five yeah. stars. He, he took a to walk on too. He took a walk on a walk on who played eight man football in high school because that's just where he lived in the world. Um, that there weren't enough people <laughs> to play eleven man football at his high school uh, and turned him into a first round pick. Leighton yeah. Vanderash. He had a uh, he had a guy a slot receiver go to the Bills this weekend. Um, uh, uh, Khalil Shakir, great player. I think also you know. Talk about something that I, that I wrote today. Uh, the Observer reminds me a lot of Javarius Johnson. If they can use him in that in that kind of way, it's like yeah. You, I mean, that, what Cincinnati did this weekend was incredible. Cincinnati had what like nine draft picks. Hmm. None of those dudes were four stars coming out of high school. Yeah. The Bearcats. That's all development. Yeah. And so, Boise State used to be that team. Maybe not to that quite quite that level, but Boise State was the darling in the in the in the development. So it's like. That was the whole pitch for Harson. Marry that development, that underdog mentality, that work, all that, all, all that stuff that made him so successful at Boise State. Marry that with SEC talent and the fact that, hi, welcome. You're walking into a situation where you're a top 15 program in college football. You have top 15 talent pretty much every year. Maybe you can overachieve that way. Let's see what it looks like. Meanwhile, three of the teams you play are all in the top five. Right. That's the issue. Right. So it, it's it's a shift from what he dealt with at Boise. Because at Boise, you play just one or two yeah. major teams a year. Now it's like you play three or four or five. <laughs> um, so it's a shift. But to Ryan's point, it is a build. No one should have been sitting there, sitting here thinking that it was all going to be great right off the bat. But the problem is is that you did start off six and two. And you lost five straight games. And the recruiting didn't go well. And then you had the investigation. And then the players did leave in the portal. And then your roster is what it is. And you only get one team. Like, it's not a lot of good news happening, right? You have um, to wonder, like, how, how much of a domino effect was losing that lead to Mississippi State? Because if you cause yeah. imagine like you don't lose or, or not or not beating Alabama, yeah, or not holding well, on to beat Alabama. Well, let's let's look at it this way: you you hold on to that lead against Mississippi State. That game continues the way it's going. Bo Nix is out by the middle of the third quarter. He doesn't <laughs> get hurt. You have him for the rest of the season. I obviously you get, you could South get hurt Carolina anytime. and Alabama. Beat yeah. him against South Carolina. Better quarterback plays. It is what it is. If you have better quarterback play, you beat Alabama. Auburn is nine and three. Ten and two at the end of yeah, the season. Yeah, that's why I push back on the notion that Auburn is destined to like nosedive this year. They might like like there, there are part that you're having to rebuild your entire passing game. Historically, that's not a good sign for for year to year success. It's just you got John not, Samuel Shanker. Though. Just I'm I'm placing a lot of faith in John Samuel Shanker this year. It's not a it's not a lot of you know historically that's not a good measurement of success. Um, but my other thing is is, is this kind of like what we said earlier. That team was six and two at one point last year. 
and had a, had several, uh, all those games slip through their fingers. Yep. And then on top of that, like we said at the beginning, they got some dudes that are going to be in the NFL very soon. Yep. And some guys that are going to – I don't know if they have a first-rounder on this team. Maybe. Maybe maybe things go well. They got they got quite a few day-two guys and some guys that are going to be in the league. And it's like, take advantage of that and get back to what it was before the collapse, basically. <laughs> and if you can do, get back to that, I think you're in a good, I think you're in a good spot. But it's, it's not going to be snap your fingers and, like, it's going to be right there. And there are some bright spots, obviously, as you're mentioning with the talent coming back. Tank Bigsby, a name that could have been in the transfer portal, <laughs> right? Coming back, Various Johnson. Coming back. The problem, the problem with Auburn, the big problem with Auburn is this: they have at tight end, they have an experienced offensive line, which it's better than the alternative. It's better than the alternative, and, and rebuilding it. You've got good, good pro level talent on all three phases of your defense. You've got a great running back. You got you got all these things kind of set for you. you got, should have a really good special teams unit this year. The problem with Auburn is that the most important thing for a football for a college football team to be successful is complete is a complete unknown. And the guys he's throwing it to at wide receiver are mostly unknown. And it's just like, oh, that doesn't bode well right. usually for a season. So if you're down on Auburn and it might end up hurting them, like that's why. But it's like you can't sit there and say, like, you know, somebody'll somebody say, well, Auburn will have a hard time, you know, getting a winning record this year. That may be true. This is not a roster that usually has a hard time getting it. It's just the one big problem you have is and there, you know, there's probably more than one, but like the big problem you have is so big and so massive that it's just like, All right, well, you gotta figure out a way a way around it. But, you know, this ain't gonna be a team that you can sit there and say, Well, they just don't really have enough time. They don't have Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Texas A and M talent. No, they don't. They usually no don't. One does. Yeah, but they usually don't either. Yeah. Right? But that hasn't stopped him from beating him. So what do you what do you do with it? Which Gus Malzahn was able to do, just not consistently, just not consistently at the level that people wanted it to be. Yeah, the thing is, is that the success of Alabama and now Georgia coming into the picture, and LSU didn't help either. And what A and M's trying to do is not helping either. All that together is just like it warps expectations so so grandly mm-hmm. where it's just like why can't we do that? It's like well, uh, <laughs> you want to list a reason? That's why I was yeah. talking earlier about moving that line. It's like yeah. the line is moved not because of anything Auburn has really done or not done. It's because of the, your biggest rivals are shifting your minds to think that the average, you should automatically yeah, be able to do that as well. The average on season was about an eight and four team or nine. I think Auburn could be better than that. I'm not saying Auburn's going to be a 11-1 team <laughs> regularly, but you got to get closer to that, right? And it's also college football. Upsets happen. They better happen because you're going to need them to happen if you, <laughs> if you want to be successful. You're going to need a few this year. Right, yeah, yeah. You don't want to have. You don't want to necessarily be like in a spot where it's like, you know, well, we have enough talent to be a 10 or 11-win team and nothing bad is ever going to happen after that. It's like, well, no. <laughs> you're the team that does that to other people, so you can't, you can't expect it to never happen to you. But it just happened way too frequently under miles on. Justin Ferguson here with us from the Auburn Observer at AU on Twitter. The hour has flown by as we're nearing the end and we'll have a tv guide coming up here in just a little bit you mentioned you've got a podcast coming out uh tomorrow for everyone to listen to with matt brown that's a really good uh, conversation and a listen i want to hear from you for quickly one of the biggest stories in college sports right now is just everything going on with name image and likeness as the first academic year has ended with nil in effect mm-hmm. and now sites are set on the future kind of what thoughts have you had recently 
about that uh, the NIL situation. Yeah, this is what happens when the NCAA is bad at what they do, and they have no foresight, they have no leadership, they have no guardrails put up in place. Here's the thing. Guys getting paid their money, I'm all for it. Even this whole thing going on with Jordan Addison and, the, and guys like that, all for it. You know, These guys bring that kind of value to the table, right? And as long as there were like you didn't make rules you were so against this ever happening that when when the courts got involved and when state governments got involved and they were like yeah you can't tell them no anymore it's going to open up for stuff like that the ncaa created this problem for themselves right and so there's a lot of there's a lot of headaches there's a lot of issues with it but the but the crux of it is like players are getting paid i'm all for that go for it like that they are the labor they are the people that make this happen i'm all for that but the problem is is that it's tough for fans for coaches for administrators for everyone to kind of navigate this right now because there were no rules it's like there's it was just it's just kind of just wide open whatever happens and so when you have it could be just easy fixes but they just didn't do any of that they didn't do any of that with 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 what's going on so um we would expect time to fix all these things you would think you would think they need they there needs to be some regulation of some kind and i'm not saying like if if we want to get this point where it's like mass free agency it's like okay good like you know get these guys away but like if you're going to handle this in this situation there's one of two ways you can go here you can either try to go back to the old system which i don't think you can do anymore um or two we're gonna have to go into a situation moving forward where it's like if these guys are getting paid we're gonna start talking about like collective bargaining we're gonna talk about contracts and stuff like that and it's like whatever gets to the point where these guys get what they're worth and like the thing early on with name image and Linus, it was like hey i can make money off of you know endorsements because i'm the quarterback at auburn or i'm the that's all good like that's easy. and the the ones that are still doing that like that makes a lot of sense the problem now is just like it's pay for play it's straight up pay for play and um it's like if we're going to do that we need to do that with structure you know i would much rather it be do- being done unstructured just if guys are getting their money i'm yeah. good with that but like if you're going to do this it needs to be structured in order to keep this sport healthy and and keep it keep it going moving forward but I really so this like is all the ncaa's fault there's something going on right now as well <laughs> where you look at jordan addison being the name at pitt he's the blitnikoff winner coming back to pittsburgh in the offseason that's the conversation keaton slovis transfers in and now addison's unhappy and we're going to go find a new place to play college football there's the, the lane kiffin dynamic in a lot of this i think where there's a focus now from kiffin to focus on the college players as opposed to high school level players because once you transfer once if i go get a transfer and he can play right away it's a little bit easier to tell this transfer that's in my program hey let's work this because it's the year-to-year roster management that a lot of people are working on i think it's a little bit easier to tell somebody hey you can't really transfer because you're gonna have to go sit out wherever you want to play next to be eligible while also factoring in the name image there's just a lot of things that have to be kind of figured out with all yeah it's 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 a mess but it's a mess because the NCAA was trying to defend a system that should have been illegal and shouldn't have shouldn't have happened, and and they drug their feet so much that the floodgates opened, yeah. and it's like, all right, you get what you pay for at this point. And now um, Mark Emmett is gone. Yeah, and like I don't know how you fix this, but you got to. Yeah, you, you got to at some point. It's I, just, I really, it's just, it's. But like, I will always say though, guys getting paid. Yep. Yep. 
you know it's like somebody pointed out like uh, i think somebody reported it's like wow it's up to two million for jordan for jordan addison it's like yeah you want to pay the best wide receiver in college football uh, about as much money as you pay uh, a, an average offensive coordinator look at the nfl look how much more money the players get paid than the coaches yeah look how much more valuable they are it's like yeah you'll take that you'll um, absolutely take that so like even if it feels out of control it's like it's still kind of you know in spot and you'll see people all the time making the argument there they're like well isn't a college education enough no yeah yeah no you know how i know that because i got a free college education i didn't do one thing for this university to make it money at all all right these dudes are going out there putting their bodies and their and their health on the line and they are generating millions and millions of dollars for the universities for the coaches for the fans <laughs> from people like me i wouldn't have a job if these if these guys didn't do what they did and so like when if you ever hear everybody say it's like well a college education should be enough it's like no it's not there are people who get college educations for free who give nothing all i did here's the thing here's the thing that always cracks me up it's like you know it's like well uh, you know it would have been great to get a free education yeah it would it, it's a great thing to have i'm not i'm not in a mission the value of it is all you know what i had to do to get a free ride to auburn i had to do good on one test yeah yep these guys yep. have to be good at what they do in their sports these guys and girls have to be good at their sports for years and years they have to dedicate their lives to it and it's like yeah get money go for it because i went here and they were just like i was just a drain on auburn i was just they just gave me money to go here right i didn't do anything i worked at the school newspaper i didn't they didn't, I, I didn't do anything and so it's just like yeah get them their money but it's going to be really hard for football to exist in its current form in the, if, if, if there are no rules. So you just got to figure it out. And it's just so many easy fixes. But I think we're about to see a ton of NCAA stuff come down the pike where it's yeah. just going to be like, all right. I think the big thing you have to figure out is the difference between what is a big national brand that these kids can sign on with versus what is this local, like you said, pay for play. Like it yeah. just did. If we, Tiger Communications, really wanted Auburn to get this five-star running back, we could say, I mean, we're not going to. We don't have this kind of money. We we're like, hey, we'll give you $2 billion in NIL money to come to a segment with us every week if you come to Auburn. So at some point, like, there's, there's the got to be some kind right. of But even at the point now, that. is that that's not even happening at this point. Because these yeah. NIL collectives have popped up. And Collect- anybody, collectives, that's the word. And that's the word. anybody can give money to it. And that's just raising money. Yeah, that's just being. That's just being like, well, I'm not. I'm not big enough to be a scholarship donor. I don't have the money to be part of Tigers Unlimited. But I can give. If enough of us give a few hundred bucks to this to this uh, to this collective, and they can pay the players, it's like this is completely different than what we were in that world. Remember last yeah. summer when everybody was talking about NIL, and it was like everybody wanted to say like, well, Bo Nix is doing another advertisement on Instagram. That's what we thought NIL was. It's yeah. like, yeah, but when there are no guardrails in place and these collectives are are up and running, like technically they shouldn't be legal, but they are. Yeah. And like it, it, anybody, this is anybody's money that can do that can do that at this point. This is no longer like what happens if the car dealership gives them <laughs> much money. No, what happens if just these people yeah. say we the have fans. X amount of money here, come play for us. Yeah. It's like you would do that if you were an NFL. T- uh, Bud Elliott made this point on Twitter. It was so, it was so good the other day. It's like if 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 uh, if fans of an NFL team could pool their money together and say, "Hey man, we all throw in a hundred bucks or whatever, and we're going to sign the best wide receiver in the country uh, in the free agent market," you would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely, <laughs> you would absolutely, absolutely do that. That's exactly what's happening in, in college football because there are no rules against that. Right. 
That's what we got to fix. All right, uh, let's get out of here. Let's get this TV guide on the road again. Justin Ferguson's been hanging out with us. Here it is. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Five items on your nightly TV guide here on Sports Call today. The NHL playoffs continue. The Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers at 6 on ESPN. Step Brothers on E coming up here this evening. On E? At 6. That's yeah. interesting for Step Brothers. Okay. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Solid movie. Is coming up on FX at 6 o'clock. The NHL playoffs continue with the Washington Capitals and the Florida Panthers on ESPN2 at 6.30. Oh, I a lot of hockey last night. It was fun. Hockey. Go Canes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They beat the tar out of them, too. That was awesome. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, And then the NBA playoffs tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks are taking on the Boston Celtics at 6.30 on TNT. And then right after that, the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Yep. Uh, (laughs) They will play in game two as well. So there you go. There's our nightly TV guide. Ferg, thank you so much for being here, man. Absolutely. AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. Follow him on Twitter at JFergusonAU. Brant, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being the judge on NBA War that earlier was fun. today. That was fun. Let's do that again soon. Tuesday, Congrats on your win, Ferg. Yep. Go. What a fight. Gonna defend Brian. it. And get I battle def- like Bradley Beal. <laughs> what a fight. <laughs> Gonna defend it next week. <laughs> Streak. Streak still on the line. I'm going to run through oh, here like that's the amazing. That's amazing. All right. Uh, that does it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening and being tuned in. For Justin Ferguson, Brad Daughtry, and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.